What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast. Hello guys and welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring. Stardom, I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, I am joined as ever by Mr. Philadelphia. It's only Matt Turner. Matt Turner, how are you, good sir? Rob Goodwin, my friend, I am fantastic as always. I had a great week, an even better weekend. But before we talk about me, Rob, what I want to know. But our listeners, the friends and family of the Stardom Cast want to know what the world wants to know, Rob. We've been waiting a week for this. Did you choke anybody out during your soccer slash football match last week? <laughs> um, I did not. Um, uh, we won, though, 3-2, which was uh, an unusual, an unusual uh, result. But they were a group of relatively young. I don't think some of them were teenagers, some of them weren't. Um, and one of the teenagers had decided that because he'd brought his mum to the game, that he was going to act all big and tough. And uh, then he got wiped out by one of our players, and his mum started yelling at our team. So uh, make of that what you will. But I didn't have to choke anyone out. I didn't have to throw any lariats. I didn't do any face wash kicks by the post. Um, It was a relatively, and emphasis on the word relatively, clean game. And uh, yeah, we still won, which again, doesn't happen very often. So uh, we need to savor this moment, Matt. Well, congratulations, my friend. And 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 as a personal note, or not as a personal note, but as a my concern, one, I want to know how you did. And two, were you uh, 100% coming out of this match? I was more 100% coming out of this match than I was going into the last one. Um, at the moment, my calf seems to be okay. Um, as okay as it ever is, because whenever I walk, run, or do anything, it's like running with two two befores. 
in my jeans um, where my calves are. So very, very little give, very little mobility just in general in my calves. But yes, at the moment, touch wood, everything seems okay. Um, so yes, all all good in that department. But enough about my uh, attempts to recapture my sporting youth, Mister Turner. What about you? Why was your week and your weekend in particular so damn good? Now, Rob, have you ever heard? I don't know if it's a worldwide saying or if it's a saying we have in the states. Have you ever heard the saying "bad things come in threes? Yes, yeah, I think it's a fairly universal saying. I think, yeah. Okay, I had the reverse. I had good things come in threes this past weekend. Now, Grant, I had a lot of good things that happened to me, but mainly three awesome things happened to me this weekend. Number one, my NFL team, the San Francisco 49ers, got a last-minute win, thus advancing into the playoffs to the NFC Championship. Now, I know, Rob, from us having previous conversations that you know very little about American football. (laughs) So if the 49ers win this weekend, which I think they will, they go on to the Super Bowl. So there's four teams. They're down to the final four, my friend. They're down to the final four. So if the 49ers win this weekend, they go on to the Super Bowl. That was number one. And then Sunday, I woke up to see that my favorite faction, Queen's Quest, won the award for uh, best faction in all of stardom, which I'm sure this is a topic that we'll, uh, we will talk about later throughout this phenomenal podcast. So that's number two. And number three, Rob, after about a good two weeks of me being overbearing and annoying to the shock of nobody (laughs) i finally got my i finally got my wonderful wife to formally ask me to the church valentine's day sweetheart dance now uh (laughs) how this how this usually goes is usually there is a church dance maybe once every three or four months with my wife being a part of the church committee she pretty much uh, she basically puts everything together, right? She's very good. She's got a very decorative eye. Uh, she's a very talented individual. Why she married me still is one of the mysteries of the world, but regardless. <laughs> so whenever one of these dances are, she'll look at the calendar and she'll ask me, do you, are you booked? It's always on a Saturday. Are you booked this weekend? Do you have anything going on? And if I don't, I'll say, she's, okay, good. You're going to the dance. Now, Rob, I kind of put my foot down a little bit with this because I'm like, you need to formally ask me as if I'm a 17-year-old girl in high school and this is the prom. This you have, you have to ask me. So the one that happened a handful of months ago back in the summer, she begrudgingly asked me. And then this one, she said, yeah, right, it's February 3rd. Uh, you're going to the dance. And I was like, okay, I wasn't formally asked, but you need to formally ask me. She wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. So finally – I you know how I got this, Rob? I had to text her mother. My sweet mother-in-law, probably one of the <laughs> nicest people on God's green earth. I said, Misty, I said, your wonderful daughter has yet to ask me formally to the dance. She texted my wife and she said, you better ask him. So I later, that was halfway through my work this past Friday. So I come home on Friday and the section where I sit at the dinner table, there's an orange with a note on there. And I'm like, I already know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> And my creative wife said on the note, said orange, something along the lines that I'm paraphrasing, orange, you glad that I'm asking you to the, the Valentine's Day dance. Will you be my main squeeze? So Aww. I was over the moon. <laughs> yes. And of course I accepted. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been such a bad, like a bad end to the story. So I told her, no, I'm wrestling that day. So no, tough. Um, oh, but what a sweet little story. <laughs> Which one? All three of them, right? They're all pretty good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I was definitely referencing your 49ers victory when I said, oh, how sweet. No, it, it's... Uh... <laughs> I know how hard your uh, your wife works at the church, so that's uh, that's lovely. And to be fair, Matt, you deserve to be treated like the princess you are. So, uh, you know, 
absolutely demand. I mean, I'm amazed you didn't get flowers, to be perfectly honest, but I suppose an orange must do. Um, what else have you got up to then, man? What else have you got to share before we <laughs> delve into the stardom cast? Just to be fair, when she asked me formally to the dance in the summer, she gave me a bag of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, which is my kryptonite when it comes to <laughs> yeah, trying to stay on my diet. But uh, no, man, just all good, all good stuff. A lot of really good wrestling stuff coming up. We got, uh, I know this isn't the WWE podcast, but uh, we do have the Royal Rumble coming up this weekend, which I'm always really excited for, especially this one because this will kind of give us the first stages of what we're going to see at WrestleMania. Not just any WrestleMania, but the WrestleMania that myself, yourself, and a whole bunch of my insane friends will be attending. So it's an exciting week and, uh, you know, exciting week for professional wrestling. And as we record this, it's Wednesday night, and we're uh, there's a dream match on AEW uh, Dynamite tonight that I think didn't think I'd ever see as Edge, a.k.a. Adam Copeland, will be wrestling Minoru Suzuki. So super excited I've seen for that. This. I, I saw that come up, and I follow someone called, I think he's called at Tom Customs, and he just makes up random match cards, and uh, it takes everyone a while to uh, to work out whether it's real or fake. And genuinely, I was convinced that this was fake. Um, and now that I know that it's real, I am genuinely concerned for Edge's safety um, because Minoru Suzuki is going to pull no punches whatsoever, and it is going to be so, so exciting to watch. Yeah, a lot of good wrestling stuff, and we're uh, less than two weeks away from uh, Tam coming back, but again, we'll talk about that later in the show as I have a brand new segment that I'm going to debut on this show that I know that you're going to get a huge chuckle out of, my friend. Oh, my God. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> yes, of course, as we know, Tam Nakana will be returning to action in tag team action um, on the 4th of february it started into next pay-per-view which is stardom supreme fight we'll be giving our full preview of that next week and matt just before we delve into anything isn't it nice to give builds time to breathe between pay-per-views we haven't had a pay-per-view since the 4th of january it's given things chance to breathe chance to build we aren't over sort of saturated with wrestling action and it just it feels so much better doesn't it yeah not everything is crammed too we've only stardom has only run i believe two shows a week uh pretty much since the fourth of january and there's been some absolute banger matches i mean obviously we'll, we'll we're gonna get into it me and you were texting earlier today we'll talk about that must-see artist of stardom uh match and then another tag team match of the year uh, contender with aphrodite versus zumi and uh Maysera. and then last week we talked about the uh, match at Cork, or the, sorry, it might have been the week before at Cork and Hall with Julian Mayu versus Mike and Soriano. So stardom obviously crushes it on pay-per-view. This pay-per-view coming up, which I believe we'll, go, we'll have our full preview for next week. This looks absolutely loaded. But on these, you know, quote-unquote house shows, um, there's some excellent stuff. So it's really, you know, to kind of back up your point there, partner, is that stardom is doing a great job giving pay-per-views time to breathe matches time to breathe cards time to breathe and then putting on better quality shows instead of quantity not the shows were bad before but like these two shows that we've been getting per week and there's always two or three must-see matches on there so kudos to stardom it really feels since uh dream queendom at the end of last year that stardom is really firing on all cylinders 
Yeah, they certainly seem to have found their groove. And um, I think that was really important, obviously, you know, coming out of 2023 um, with an excellent show in Dream Queendom, um, you know, coming off the back of what was, you know, widely discussed as quite a turbulent year um, in Stardom's, in Stardom's relatively short history. It was, it was important that they followed up Dream Queendom with good shows, good logical booking, and they have done. Um, every show has been enjoyable. The title matches have all delivered. The booking has made sense. We aren't completely oversaturated and trying desperately to catch up on stardom. It's It's been a very, very good first month of 2024. And of course, we're only in the first month. Things can change. But I am very, very excited for Supreme Fight. And that's another thing. It gives the audience chance to be excited for what they're going to get. And it gives the pay-per-views the the ex- the hype that they deserve because i mean we've got now the full card for that show from the 4th of february and it looks like an absolutely killer card four title matches a fantastic all-star 13th anniversary tag match as well um we'll go through that card in full a little bit later but before we do that mr matthew turner what's coming up on the patreon this week the Patreon, good sir. This past week, we released our alternate commentary of Mayu and Io Shirai reforming Thunder Rock for one last time as Io Shirai's last match in stardom. Fingers crossed for now. As Thunder Rock, Io and Mayu take on the Oedotai team of Hazuki and Kigetsu. That was an absolute blast to call that one uh, back with you, partner. So that released this past week. Getting released this weekend will be my uh, review of FWC, Voko Double Crazy, Hazuki and Kagama, their two championship uh, runs that they had in 2022. Ten full matches. It runs about an hour and 15 minutes. That'll drop in your Patreon feed sometime over the weekend. And then this Friday, we'll be recording our roundtable discussion with one Allison Danger. We'll be talking about our five favorite female tag teams of all time in any professional wrestling company. And then next week for the alternate commentary, we'll be going to the year-end climax show in 2020 as the MK sisters, Mayu and Starlight Kid, take on the team of Azumi and Riho. So that's what's coming up on the uh, the podcast, what we released this past week, and what we released, what we're going to be releasing in the next few days. But uh, believe it or not, partner, we are getting towards the end of January. So I think um, if you agree with me, this might be a good time to talk about what we're going to be doing in February on the Patreon and the podcast. What do you say, sir? Why the hell not, good sir? Why the hell not? Then let's go for it. Okay, now we have talked about before in the last few weeks that we're kind of redoing a little bit stuff with the podcast and the Patreon, uh, just pretty much as a thank you for just the insane amount of downloads that we have seen on the show over the last six months, that the uh, bi-weekly retrospectives, they will now be part of the free show. So what Rob and I decided to do for the month of February, since it is the 13th anniversary of Stardom that just passed earlier this week, that Rob and I were going to be going to do the very first show. We're going to review the very first show of Stardom, which is Birth of Nova. So that'll be in your uh, your feeds pretty much for everybody to listen to sometime within the first few weeks of uh, February. And then by the end of the month, Rob and I will be doing a complete review of Nasa Boys 2023 five-star Grand Prix. We all miss Nasa Boys, so the best we can do on the Stardom cast is either give you alternate commentary like we did last week or do a, a review of Nasa Boy, who I know I had. And I'm pretty sure you did, partner. You think you had her as the MVP 
of last year's five star Grand Prix. Am I correct? I did, yes. And uh, it was it was one of those where I was re- I was gutted when she was injured. I think everyone was because she had a fantastic year. But it was because I really wanted her to capitalize on that fantastic five star. And unfortunately, you know, as were many members of the Stardom roster, I think a body just gave out, um, which was a shame. But obviously, hopefully. We are close to seeing Natsupoi's in-ring return. She was present at the award ceremony, won an award as well. Very well done to Natsupoi and all the other winners, which we'll go through in a moment. Um, but yes, I'm looking forward to going back through uh, Natsupoi's 2023 run because of that 2023 five-star Grand Prix, I think Natsupoi had potentially three of my five favorite matches. So it'll be interesting to call that back with you, mate. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. And then what we're going to do is we usually do this once a year. As far as the alternate commentary goes, for the month of February, we're going to do a uh, basically a fan appreciation, a listener appreciation. So anybody that com- that is part of the Patreon. So uh, the first four people that give us our, our matches that they want us to do on commentary, whether you email it to, to us, whether you put it on the, uh, the, the Patreon post, of the show or whether you send a message to myself or Rob on social media, the first four people that send us messages of what matches they want us to do for alternate commentary. We will do as long as it's a match we haven't done before. Now I'm just, I'm just going to use Steve from Patreon as an example, because Steve posts a lot. We absolutely love him for him. He's very enthusiastic and just does a great job, you know, uh, promoting the love that is the stardom cast. So say for example, Steve says, I, he, he comments on it. He's one of the first four. He says, I want you guys to do a Zumi versus Starlight Kid from the Triangle Derby Finals. Now, we've already done that match. However, Steve, we would let you maintain your place, and then you pick another match. So, again, the first four people that sent us what matches they want us to do for alternate commentary, those are the matches that we're going to do. Again, as long as myself and Rob have never done them before. So, if you want us to do, you know, Lady C versus May Sakurai, you know, from a random house show, we'll go and do it. Because, uh, like I always say on the podcast, you know, it really is all of our podcasts and we love it being interactive with the friends and family of the stardom cast. So once again, the first four people that send us what matches they want us to do for alternate commentary. That's what we're going to do for the month of February, my friend. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm very much looking forward to the birth of Nova show that we're going to be covering as well. I loved, as I said, doing the retrospectives um, and it means that you are going to be getting um, an additional episode every other week as well on the free feed because you're all absolutely awesome. But I've only ever seen one match from this show and that is, um, uh, ironically, between Mayu Iwatani, the person who has just celebrated their own 13th anniversary alongside Stardom, and congratulations to the icon, um, against Arisa Hoshiki. And it's extremely entertaining to see, pardon me, the difference between the two competitors. And obviously, I know that we talked a lot about Mayu in the past, and we've talked about how her start with Stardom may not have been, you know, the most the most explosive, let's say. And by explosive, she was the last in her class to get a singles victory in Stardom. And I'm currently in the process of putting all the results on the Stardomcast website, which, by the way, is now the Stardomcast.com. There's no Weebly, the Stardomcast.com. Go and check it out, um, in the words of Mayu, ironically. But I'm in the process of putting on the... Um, 
2011 set of results. And I am one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine shows in, and Mayu is yet to score a victory. Um, and she is the only one alongside Eris Sousa who is uh, still without a victory. So it'll be interesting to see, because I can't remember off the top of my head um, how many shows it is before Mayu gets that first definitive victory. But it's really interesting to see this and then see the icon of stardom come out in the main events of shows and defending the IWGP Women's Championship. What a career, what a ride for Mayu Iwatani, Matt. Yeah, I loved how you how you said uh, just a minute ago. You know, we talk a lot about Mayu on this show. Yeah, we do. Of course, <laughs> we do. Uh, Rob, without with, well, God, I'm sorry, God. No, no, no. Go ahead. Without you uh, doing using the Google machine, do you know who Mayu got her first win against? Um. Ooh. Do I know? I don't know either. I don't know either. But I'm just for a joke. I'm just gonna say it was Saeeda. <laughs> 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 and do you know what Sayarina wasn't even in that match but they gave her the losing <laughs> pinfall um, she's like what I'm in school what I, I honestly don't know I might have to check that out because um, uh, I imagine I'll have seen it and I've just forgotten it but uh, yeah it's uh, it's definitely your place to go and check things out I'm always updating everything or trying to keep on top of everything anyway in terms of all the stats and stuff so that it is basically a one-stop shop for you all you know to see the championship histories to see the results from every year um to see the statistics for each wrestler which is taking me a hell of a long time and i've only done two, 2024 and half of 2011 but and all of 2021 but it's you know it's getting there i've got all the results up there i've got stardom records there including attendance um there's going to be full roster breakdowns and unit breakdowns there's tournaments past present and um winners all up there as well i'm getting there slowly but surely so if you go on to something and something isn't quite completed bear with me i am but one man um but yes i am getting there so if you can check that out stardomcast.com and you'll be able to check out that as well as the full archive of our podcasts full archive of the stardomcast extra which i'm currently in the process of uploading and of course our stardomcast awards as well so lots and lots going on there and when we have more details about the live podcast in philadelphia they will be on the stardomcast.com as well Let's delve into some news, and it's interesting that we finished talking about Philadelphia because WrestleTix have posted um, an update on how tickets are going in terms of the Philadelphia show, and it goes thusly, Start America in June 2024, which of course is the 4th of April at the old ECW Arena. Um, of the 658 reserved seats, only 37 tickets of those remain. All, th is it three of the four GA general admission sections? Sorry, because I'm trying to read me upside down for some reason. Uh, three of the four general admission sections, which are in the corners of the map, are already sold out. There are limited, and I mean limited tickets left, if you haven't already got your tickets to see this show. If you want ringside, it's $300, um, and then general admission, I believe, is $50. Uh, if you're standing, it is $40 as well. So, Matt, looks like the show is selling well, which we knew it would, the uh, the crying out in the Western 
in the Western world for stardom is unrivaled, I think. So uh, the fact that it's doing well, hopefully, will bring more stardom shows. Yeah, I'm not shocked at all. I kind of figured that this would sell out. You Stardom has not run a full stardom show in the States since 2019, and the product is – no. Just I mean, it was great in 2019. What the product is now is way better. Uh, you have Philadelphia – very uh, hardcore city that they love their sports. They're very passionate about their sports. It's one of the best wrestling cities in all of the world uh, is Philadelphia. It's WrestleMania weekend. People want to see this. They want to see stardom. Stardom has a lot of buzz, you know, over the past two years between their phenomenal 2022 and then Mercedes uh, doing some of the stuff that she did in stardom last year. So it's a lot of buzz on stardom. People want to see this show. I know probably about an hour before, we recorded. I went to my uh, comic book store to uh, pick up my comics as you, as I usually do every Wednesday. And I know a few of the gentlemen there wanted to go to the Stardom show, and I literally just sent them the link. But you guys have to get tickets because it's just about sold out. I think I counted fourteen reserved seats are remaining, and I don't know how much how much they're they're allowing of the standing room only. But this is going to sell out. If you have not gotten your tickets yet, do so as soon as possible. There's a very good chance by the time you listen to this whether you're on the Patreon on Thursday or if you listen to it on the regular feed on Friday or Saturday, it's a good chance that's going to be sold out. And there is probably more than likely it is Philadelphia. It's WrestleMania weekend, secondary markets. You're going to be able to get tickets, but considering the fact how hot this ticket is uh, pun intended, I guess that uh, you'll probably be paying almost double for a ticket. So uh, if you've not gotten your tickets yet, do so as soon as possible, but I'm not shocked at all. I know that uh, we've had conversations with some of the brass over in stardom and uh, we said it'd be really it's it's a no brainer for you guys to do a show in Philadelphia WrestleMania weekend. I know the collective where they run all the GCW shows and whatnot. It's in a different area than the ECW arena. There's only I think two wrestling shows taking place at the ECW arena the entire weekend. So this will make Stardom really stand out as one of the uh, bigger and probably best non WWE produced shows of the weekend. And uh, I'm sure you agree with me. You know, it's exciting to go to WrestleMania. I know this is going to be your first WrestleMania, my fourth, but uh, I'm way more excited for the Stardom show than I am for WrestleMania just because it's 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 a more of a rare thing uh, to see Stardom live. So, uh, yeah, super excited for it. And they, we don't know. And the fact that they've sold out 90 some odd percent of the tickets and there's no matches announced. I know that Mina teased that she's going to be there and Hazuki teased that she's going to be there. But other than that, there's no matches announced and no talent officially announced. So that just goes to show you just how hot the product of stardom is over here in the States, my friend. Absolutely. And as Matt said, I fully expect this show to have sold out by the time we record next week. So if you are listening to this and you haven't already, go and check it out because it is going to be a fantastic, fantastic show. I have every faith that it will be. Um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Stardom Awards as we record. So it's Wednesday, the 24th of January, um, the second night of the Stardom Award in Takadanobaba has not been uploaded yet to Stardom World. So we are only going to be talking about night one and we are going to be talking about the second night in Osaka from back on the 14th of January. But I wanted to go through the results of the Stardom Awards, which were announced on night two and we saw the main event of the show, if you like. Um, so the awards are as follows. Matt, I'd like your opinion on these. If you are surprised by any of them, if you would potentially changed anything and what you would have changed them to if you would so 
MVP went to Tam Nakano. The best bout was Julia versus Megan Bain from Dream Queendom 2023. Best tag team was Natsupoi and Siori Ano. Best unit went to Queen's Quest. Special achievement went to Mayu Iwatani. Fighting spirit was Suzu Suzuki. Best skill was Mirai. And the Shining Award, which is the one for, that is voted for by fans, went to our new World of Stardom champion, Micah. Um, Matt, of those awards, I know I ran through them quite quickly. What do you think of them as a whole? Um, and are you surprised by any? You know, we say all the time on this podcast, one of the many beautiful things about professional wrestling is subjective. You can like what you like. Um, there's really no wrong answer to anything. So none of those awards am I really kind of shocked. Maybe one of them I was shocked by, and I'll get to. But it's just like, okay, you know, Tam, I can see her being the MVP. She was the double belt champion, won the red belt, the biggest show in stardom history. Uh, Sayori Poi winning the tag belts, I had... You know, my vote was between them and Crazy Star, so no problem there. Faction of the year, I mean, come on, folks. Queen's Quest, absolutely. <laughs> and all the other uh, and all the other awards, yes, I can absolutely see why they got it. Um, the one that I know a lot of people scratch their head at, and I'm gonna and I'm sure you're gonna want me to speak on it, and some of our listeners, is <laughs> Megan Vane versus Julia Dream Queendom. Yeah. Was it a great match? Absolutely. If, if I remember correctly, I gave the match four and a half stars. It was a great match on a great show. But in my opinion, and this is no disrespect to Megan Bain and Julia. And I get it. I, it's just like if that's what was voted on and people agree with it, great. In my opinion, it wasn't even the best match on the show. It was like the fourth best match on that show. And that just goes to show you how great the, that show was. You know, I had the uh, Aphrodite versus Oedo Tai tag match above it. And the main event and co-main event with Sayori versus Mirai and then Mika and Suzu Suzuki. But like Mina versus Ayakamitani, Hazuki versus Ayakamitani, Tan versus Julia. These were some of the matches in the five-star. I all thought were better than this, but at the same time, we say it all the time, partner, wrestling subjective. You know, if that's what they voted on, that's a good for Megan Bain. Literally, as she, as she, we saw it all over social media, she left to uh, come back to the States just a handful of days ago. So what a great way to kind of end her run. Uh, you know, obviously she squashes three people in a handicap match that we'll talk about. And then she gets this award for match of the year with Julia. So good on her do i agree with it no am i offended by it no did i lose any sleep out of it a lot no i'm just kidding i didn't lose <laughs> any sleep on it again it was a phenomenal phenomenal match but stardom you know regardless of whether you agree with their booking and some of the stuff they did this year you can't deny that they put on some absolute bangers lots of them more than you know more than three dozen they had so many great matches this year and if that's the one that won the award then good good on them sir yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, you've hit the nail on the head there. Ultimately, wrestling is subjective, which, of course, is why so many people love it. Um, do I think Julie versus Megan Bain was the best match of the year? Matt, you said it perfectly. It wasn't even, for me, the best match of Dream Queendom. I think both of Julia and Suzu, uh, Julia and Suzu Suzuki's, Micah and Suzu Suzuki's matches were better, um, or I enjoyed them personally. A lot more. Um, I think Hazuki versus Saya Kamatani, which of course won the Stardom Cast match of the year. Um, I think that was also up there. Um, Saya Kamatani versus Mina as well from All Star Grand Queendom. I'd argue that there's at least three matches on All Star Grand Queendom that were better than that. Um, Julia's match, the main event against Tam, that was a fantastic match. Um, you know. Again, I wonder if that's a little bit of recency bias. Um, uh, you know, people remember it because it was only from last month. 
again, am I offended by it? No, of course not. In the same way that I'm not offended at the fact that Dave Meltzer gave Mayu Iwatani and Shuri four and three quarter stars because of the headbutts and then proceeded to give Shingo and John Moxley five stars when that had headbutts. I'm not offended by it. I'm not losing sleep over it. Um, it was a fantastic match. And do you know what, Matt? Echoing your sentiments, let's talk a little bit for a moment about Megan Bain, who um, has now finished up with stardom, um, there was a beautiful photo posted on Twitter where Micah actually took her to or went with her to the airport, which I thought was really, really nice um, because those two have built up such a phenomenal relationship over the last couple of months. Divine Kingdom have been one of the best tag teams um, in the entirety of stardom this year without without doubt won the goddess of stardom tag league um, and are possibly a little bit unlucky to uh, be edged out for best tag team. Um, especially when you consider that Natsupoy has won that award yet, was out from the five-star Grand Prix onwards, really. But think about what she was like when she came into the company in August and where she is now. Like, she has done tremendously well, won the Goddess of Stardom Tag League, has had red belt matches, has been in a phenomenal feud with Julia, has done incredible things, has improved massively over this tour. I think she's her progression has been phenomenal and has been certainly one of the success stories of 2023 yeah she's coming back into the states with a whole lot of buzz on her and the fact that she was working with the best roster and all of wrestling in my opinion and again a subjective for the last um six or seven months and had you know bangers with julia great tag team with uh with micah and great six-person matches she's had whether she's team with micah may sarah susan suzuki so wherever she goes in AEW, if they put her on a singles a tag you know in a faction she i think she's going to do really really well and again she had all that seasoning wrestling in stardom and was built up uh, as an absolute badass so uh sad to see her go but glad we got her as long as we did um but real quick, Rob, before we end this little segment, can you uh, remind me and the fine listeners of the Stardom cast, who won MVP? Don't do this. Do it. <laughs> Tam Nakano, Matt. Okay. Are you ready for our new <laughs> segment of the show, Rob Goodwin? Oh, God. Yes. Born <laughs> ready. What is this All new right. segment? It's called Amber Hates Tam. <laughs> Now, and you're going to get a kick out of this, as a lot of our listeners are as well. Now, for those of you new to the show, I know we have new listeners all the time. First of all, thank you. I hope you are being entertained by the product that we give and somewhat well-educated. My wife, me first of all, me and my wife are literally the definitions of opposite attract. We just make it work. Literally have next to nothing in common. We just make it work. And one of those things is, folks, I clearly walk the Tam Road. I am the front runner of anybody on the TAM room. I be- outside of Stardom's accountant and Natsupoy, I believe in TAM more than anybody probably on planet Earth. My wife does not echo those sentiments. So found out that uh, on Sunday that TAM won uh, the MVP. She posted a picture of her in that really nice uh, uh, white dress holding the trophy. And I text my wife. I said, hey, I just want to let you know, two weeks from today, TAM comes back to wrestling, and she won the Stardom MVP. Now, I'm not going to read word for word what she said because we try to keep the show G-rated. <laughs> but it was, it was pretty much paraphrased. That's not fair. Tam was out the last three or four months. How could she win the MVP? This is stupid. They should do a revote. Oh, and by the way, her hair looks stupid. <laughs> 
I love the, the fact there <laughs> that what she's had is a very reasonable argument and then has just gone really petty at the end. Like, to be fair, she was out of action from the five star, like, October onwards, wasn't it? She got injured. So, technically, yeah, yeah she has been out for and then just had her hair looks icky, brilliant, excellent. Uh, <laughs> do, you want, do you want the second part of this segment that I literally just added on last night, sir? Of course. So I don't know if we're going to talk about it. If we are, you can mow back over it. But they did the um, Japan had a, a vote, a public vote of who the most popular wrestler in all of wrestling in the wonderful country of Japan is. Now, Rob, did you see this? Yes. Now it was one by one. Sam Nakano. And again, I'm sitting there on the couch after dinner last night. And I'm looking through the top 10. And there's a lot of stardom wrestlers that were represented on there. Mina Natsupoi. I know Sayoriano is technically a freelancer, but she's done majority of her work in stardom. So I was, it was nice to see that stardom did very well in this, uh, in this vote with Tam becoming number one. So I look over at Amber and I said, hey, I said, they did a uh, vote top 10 most uh, popular wrestlers in Japan. Guess who number one is? She loves playing these guessing games. Now, she, my wife really likes New Japan. So she goes, Tanahashi, no. Okada, no. Naito, no. So somebody from Noah, no. She goes, is it a wrestler that I know? I go, it's a wrestler that you know, all right. She's like, is it male or female? And I said, it's female. And then in my mind, I give the most sinister James Bond villain laugh. She goes, <laughs> don't say it. Don't say it. Now, I try to be a good husband. I listen to my wife. I did not mention the words Tam Nakano. But goddamn it, Rob Goodwin, I blasted Twilight Dream as loud as I possibly can on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> The idea of you just holding your phone in her face as those twinkly chords begin to play. You horrible man. You horrible, horrible man. Do you have no shame? Put a blanket over her head and then we continue to watch TV. But yes, um, I assume the award you're talking about, Matt, is the Supra Women's MVP, which means that Tam is uh, both um, the Supra MVP for the women and the Tokyo Sports MVP for the woman as well. So quite the year for Tam, as well as becoming the double champion. Um, so yeah, excellent stuff for Tam. Um, just going back to Megan Bain, obviously she left the company um, and I thought what was nice, there was a couple of things coming out of the uh, the awards ceremony. I mean, apparently Saki Kashima, once she realized that um, Megan Bain had been given this honor, um, typed congratulations into her phone, into a translator and gave it to her, which I thought was just was incredibly sweet. And then on the final night, they had a six woman tag match, um, which had all the people that have played a pivotal role in Megan Bain's career. You had Micah in there, you had Suzu Suzuki in there, you had May Sarah in there, and I thought that was quite nice as well, a real nice way to send her off. And I think Stardom, actually, Matt, have done a tremendous job in heating up Megan Bain, ready for AEW to job her out week after week in three-minute matches to Sky Blue. So, uh, yeah, really, really good work, Stardom. Um, Very, very quickly, then, I want to move on. We've done the awards, we've done TAM, Thank God. Um, and I just want to briefly talk about this. How full- dare you, by the way? How, <laughs> I, I, I heard the sarcasm in your voice. How dare you, sir? I have anyway. no idea what you could be talking about. <laughs> um, Stardom Supreme Fight 2024 is on Saturday next week. Um, he says, checking. No, it's a Sunday because, of course, it is. Um, but we have a full card announced for this show. And it is a doozy, folks. 
So, uh, reading from bottom to top, we have a three-way match. May Sakurai versus Hanako versus Rana Yagami. Um, we've then got a six-woman tag match. Lady C, Miyu Amasaki, and Sayaka Korora taking on the Awedatai team of Nats, Katora, Momo Watanabe, and Ruaka. And then we've got a tag match with Amisori and Saki Kashima taking on Hanan and Saya Ida. Um, I can see that leading into a New Blood title challenge. Um, it would make sense. And if Saki Kashima is anything but New Blood, but, you know, it doesn't stop them challenging, I'm sure. We've then got a high-speed championship match. Now, this does lead into a match we're going to talk about, but hopefully if you guys have listening to this podcast you've heard the results from the 20th of january show so you will hopefully know that fuki and death is your new high speed champion long live the clown um no of course may sarah retained in less than five minutes which we predicted that she would um but she did call someone out she called out her next challenger hadn't selected them and oh my god, it's going to be high-speed violence. Meisei reverses Hazuki has been made official for that show. Uh, to me, that's the main event. We don't need any other matches on that card. Um, Rina will be defending her future of Stardom Championship against Yuzuki. As I mentioned in the intro, we've got a 13th anniversary tag match um, with the team of Mayu Iwatani, Utami Hayashishita, Azumi and Nanai Takahashi taking on the team of Julia, Siori, Mirai, and Suzu Suzuki. Good grief, that is a star-studded tag match. And then, of course, we have got two championship matches at the top of the card. Siori Anu will make her first defense of the Wonder of Stardom championship against the challenger Starlight Kid. Um, and we've also got the World of Stardom championship on the line. Micah, the champion, taking on Saya Kamatani. Matt Turner, I think it's fair to say that this is one stacked card. Yeah, we knew of a good majority of these matches last week, and then they decided, oh, we're going to add Maysera versus Hazuki. Uh, for those of you new to stardom, obviously they know the violent side of Hazuki, but Hazuki was one of the best, arguably the best high-speed champion on stardom's history. She really set the tone for those six or seven-minute blitz matches that you see from time to time. And we saw Hazuki have a high-speed uh, three-way with Azumi about a year ago and uh, Fukin Death, who you uh, thought won the high-speed championship. I think maybe you just thought she won on points, Rob, is maybe that's where you uh, you got that line from. But regardless, we know that Hazuki can go the high-speed style and the fact that she's way more hard-hitting now than she was back in 2018 and 2019 when she was the high-speed champion. And May Sarah, she just seems to get better each and every outing in the ring. She's absolutely fantastic. I mean, you have that match, and then Rina versus uh, Yuzuki. They're heating Yuzuki up big, and Rina's done a great job improving her ring skills over the past seven or eight months. And then that eight-person uh, all-star tag match. There's so many mini-dream matches that we have in that. But the one that I'm looking forward to the most, and hopefully we get a little bit of a pairing in a partner, is the ALK sisters, Julia and Sherry, former goddess of stardom, tag team champions uh, against Utami and Azumi, representing Queen's Quest. I think that'd be the cherry on top. And then those two back-to-back, what I'm assuming are going to be the main event, co-main event with Starlight Kid, challenging Sayoriano for the Wonder of Stardom Championship, and then Micah defending the World of Stardom Championship against Sayakamatani. I mean, on paper, those last two matches are going to be great. You put it on pay-per-view, you put championship matches on there. Not only championship matches, but it's a different psychology. It makes it more special. 
when it's your first defense. You always want to have your title defense really get off on the right foot, um, especially on your first really big pay-per-view of the new year and, uh, you know, on the anniversary show. So Sayori Anu and Micah, I know they're going to bring it more than they usually do. So Stack Card cannot wait for this show. Uh, Super, super excited for it. Now and Tam's return and Tam's return <laughs> and of course Tam's return, which I don't did I announce that I don't think no I... you didn't because as I was just going through over everything in my head I'm like who's Mina wrestling and I was like oh no I meant who's Tam wrestling but anyway <laughs> no I'm sorry I think I just read out the important matches um... oh <laughs> wow oh man I cannot Tam is in the ECW arena. Oh, buddy, you better watch out. <laughs> this is going to be bad. Just, I just, I, now I, and I found a, uh, a fake, t- uh, a temporary tattoo website that if you send them the picture, whatever picture they that you send them, they, they send to you as a temporary tattoo. I'm totally getting a tan one on my neck like Cody Rhodes, taking a picture of it and sending it to my wife. And I'm going to be so annoying. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Um, now, <laughs> I did want to just add something because last week um, we were talking about which of the two fantastic title matches we got at the top of the card, which one we uh, we were most looking forward to. And I said I was preferring um, the Micah and Sayaka Matani build simply because of the whole historical generation thing that they had got going on. However, um, I do just want to point out, because I happen to say that I felt like Sayorianu versus Starlight Kid was sort of put together simply because Starlight Kid won a, a battle royal, which is fair enough. Um, however, uh, Darren over on Patreon um, has actually sort of added a little bit more to this by saying Sayorianu and Starlight Kid story has been a bit more to it than Starlight Kid just winning a match. They graduated from the Stardom Dojo together in the same class. Um, their history goes back to them being rookies before Sayorianu left Stardom, came back, and then still won the Y belt before Starlight Kid. Now, uh, thank you, Darren. Really, really cool prepping. I'll be honest, that makes me extre- even more excited for what will be an outstanding match, Matt. Yeah, they did a little bit of a promo, too, I believe, on one of these shows we're going to cover where they talked about how they pretty much came up together. And Darren, Darren's going to get shouted out quite a bit here because he gave me a little info on our EO and Kyrie watch of something that I needed to watch that builds towards uh, an exciting match that we're going to see on Friday. So shout-outs to you, Darren. You always do a great job helping us out. So you're going to get a few extra shout-outs on this show, my friend. But, uh, yeah, really good stuff. Obviously, it's going to be a banger of a match. And now the fact that we know a little bit more of their past history, that it goes back more than a month or two. It goes back pretty much to the start of their career. So, uh, yeah, really, really interesting stuff that Stardom seems to be leaning into a little bit, which is always great. Makes it for more entertaining and intense matchup yeah um i think doing sort of a generational thing between both titles is an interesting way to go and one that i'm very very excited to see where that pans out too um let's talk then a little bit about the shows that we're going to look at today we covered that first day in osaka which saw divine kingdom defeating queen's quest um we are going to be looking at the second show so from the sunday the 14th of january new year stars 2024 
in Osaka day two. Eddie and Arena Osaka Stadium number two in front of 299 people, just nine more than the prior day. I'll read out the results um, and then we'll talk a little bit about the matches. So in a singles match, we had May Sakurai defeating Miyu Amasaki with the escargot in six minutes and three seconds. A brand new submission, which looks absolutely brutal. Um, in a th- Three-way match, Mina Shirakawa defeated Lady C and Ruaka, pinning Lady C with the glamorous collection Mina in 6 minutes and 16 seconds. Eight-woman tag match next, the stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, Hanan, and Saya Ida defeated the team of Rani Yagami, Hanako, Yuzuki, and Sayaka Karora. And Matt Turner. Say it. Do it. Do it. Do it. The winning pinfall. Yes. Went to Sayaida! Yes, Sayaida got the pinfall, pinning Sayaka Karora with the Northern Lights suplex in 10 minutes and 37 seconds. Excellent news for Gorilla Power. We love Sayaida. I believe that this was her five year anniversary show. Um, so for her to get the win was even more sweet. Poor Sayaka Karora, of course, was always going to take the pinfall in this, but to give it to Sayaida when you've got Mayu and Hazuki on that team is excellent. Um, Eight-woman tag followed this as well. The Uedatai team of Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, Fukikin Death, and Natsugatora defeated the God's Eye team of Siori Mirai, Amisori, and Saki Kashima with Fukikin Death pinning Saki Kashima and continuing her re- her rampant destruction towards the high-speed championship, um, pinning it with the O'Connor roll in 10 minutes and 35 seconds. We then got two tag matches. The Divine Kingdom team of Micah and Megan Bain defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Yuna Mizumori and Sayori Ano, with Micah pinning Yuna Mizumori with the anchor of Toshi in 10 minutes and 39 seconds and then in your main event a special tag match this was originally if you remember supposed to be the goddesses of stardom championship match between aphrodite and crazy star unfortunately suzu suzuki succumbed to um covid so couldn't make this show which meant that it was changed to a special singles match um a special singles match special tag match sorry with aphrodite utami haishishu and saikamatani defeating the team of azumi and and Maysera Saikamatani pinning the high speed champion Maysera with the Phoenix strike in 18 minutes and 22 seconds. A couple of things to unpick from this show, Matt. Not only the fact that we had an absolutely stellar main event with Azumi plugged in in the place of Suzu Suzuki, but also some faction movement that continued on into the awards night, both night one and night two. Uh, yeah, Rob, real quick, because I know you're the stats guy. With Saeeda's win here, is she now ahead in the green block for the five-star Grand Prix? Is she now in first place? She is only in third place, um, uh, <laughs> but she is, however, ahead of Sayaka Karora. Um, however, <laughs> she is still trailing behind Yuzuki. So, unfortunately, Matt, no, not quite. She is making her slow way up that table, though. Yeah, well, speaking of match number three, um, after the uh, the match, after Saeeda's win, Yuzuki asked to join Stars, which I know we talked about a little bit last week because as uh, the news came out, we just want to touch upon it. But uh, what do you think about Yuzuki and Stars, Rob? I made mention I think she'd been the perfect fit 
at Queen's Quest, but at the same time learning under Saida, Hana, and Hazuki, Mayu Iwatani. Still a pretty darn good thing. I think there's a couple of things going for it, to be perfectly honest, especially when Shizuki took to the microphone and talked about how much of an inspiration Mayu was to her. As soon as you have that backstory, you know, she was the reason that Yuzuki got into pro wrestling and she was the reason she wanted to train and she wants to learn more from her. I think that it makes perfect sense for her to go into stars. Um, And I think having that lower tier or that lower card person in stars helps you to protect people like Hannon and Sayurida, who, you know, are your, though they're kept relatively strong, especially Hannon, um, you do need someone in stars who can eat the pinfalls in those matches, which of course, you know, you then look to the match that we're going to talk about later and, uh, no, the one, sorry, afterwards, and Sayurida is pinned instead of Yuzuki, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, I think it makes sense for all parties, to be perfectly honest. Um, it would be good to see her in Queen's Quest, but Queen's Quest is quite chocker anyway. Um, even with Hina's injury, I believe Hina at the moment has got an arm in plaster. So I'm not entirely sure what's happened there, but it looks like Hina might be out. But obviously they've still got Miyu Amasaki. They've still got Lady C. So they've got five people in there. With Momo Kogo being um, out at the moment from Stars, you need someone in there to plug that gap. And Yuzuki has proven since she's come into the company just how quick she is able to learn. And I think when she's wrestling consistently with the likes of Hazuki and Hannon, I think she's going to have a meteoric rise. I really do. So, yes, in answer to your question, I think it's a brilliant addition to stars for Yuzuki. She could have gone in anywhere. I think she just, I think, to be perfectly honest, it was the gear that sort of tricked you into thinking that she was going to be a part of Queen's Quest. But, yes, I'm more than happy with her in stars. What about you, Matt? Yeah, she very much looked like Momo in 2019 and 2020 with that kind of blue and white with a little bit of gold gear. So maybe you're right. Uh, maybe you're right. But yeah, Stars is a good fit. You mentioned about her learning under Hanan. Hanan, excuse me. I know the best part of this match was Hanan and Yuzuki's interactions. I thought the two of them were really, really good together in the ring. Obviously, they're on the same faction. So the, the chances that we see them opposite sides of the ring are going to be few and far between, but I thought there was some really good stuff here. Hanako looked good. Saka Korora continues to impress, and then Rana Yudami, I mean, with her blistering set of kicks. There was one spot. Hazuki gives Rana a lot in this match. There's one time. There's one spot in this match where Rana hits like two or three really stiff mid kicks to Hazuki, and Hazuki not only does she is she's phenomenal at like at hitting people with it comes to the bicycle kick or the forearms, the boot scrape. She's very good at give and take. Like she's very she's great what I call as a feeder. She's great at feeding for kicks with great job making sure her opponent gets stuff in as well. And just these three kicks, the Zuki, like well placed. You can hear the thud. And I'm like, Oh, Rana, you're going to pay for it. You're going to pay for it. And I thought we get like full Hazuki mode, you know, with the blitzing of the 84 forearms that get thrown at you in a matter of like three seconds, but it's only one form. Rana goes to throw the either third or fourth kick. Yuzuki block our Hazuki blocks it and then just wipes out poor Rana, which is one insanely stiff forearm. And I'm like, well, as much as I'd love to see Hazuki mode, sometimes Robin only takes one. <laughs> That's all it really took for poor Rana was one. But uh, obviously, we'll talk more about it. Rana is going to be going to another faction, the one that you predicted, my friend. So it was a very good uh, chance, even though we're not going to see Yuzuki and Hanan on the opposites, opposite sides of the ring. It's a very good chance that we'll see Hazuki and uh, uh, Rana um, throw that throw it down. Uh, quite a bit coming in the up on the upcoming months, and I'm super excited for it, my friend. This match I thought was really good. I actually had it three and a half stars. Yeah, 
to be honest, every match was solid. Um, I love. We need to talk about this escargot submission finish from <laughs> May Sakurai. The way she gets into it is beautiful, and it, the way she ensnares those legs, it really does look incredibly painful. Some some submissions you look at and you go, eh, "Would that hurt?" I'm not not sure he would. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm I'm made of just pure cellophane, so you know, even the smallest pain would hurt me. But this one looks legitimately painful, and the fact that it's called escargot, which is obviously the French for snails, love it. Love the fact that we're properly leaning into this proper fashion, not fashionista, this upper class lady, um, uh, with the whole you know, snail thing. But yeah, brutal submission finish. Love it. And Matt, um, I don't know if you happen to see the graphic, um, but May's hat is tremendous on it. Enormous, takes up half the graphic, and I absolutely love it. The fact that May loses the, uh, no longer in DDM, so she loses that faction. Obviously, we know Julia's heading uh, over here to the States in the next few months. We don't know what Tekla's future is. We know she's taking time off. We covered that last month, or excuse me, last week. So what May decided to do is get a bigger hat, make sure it's on the graphic, and add a submission in. Again, betting on yourself, way to go. But yeah, partner, I agree with you. It's like a knee bar cap slicer. I mean, there's really no holes in it. You don't see any daylight. It's really tough for your opponent to get out of if you're looking at it in kind of a shoot method. And the fact that she can kind of use the Paradise Lock early on the match to kind of set it up because the Paradise Lock entangles you in your arms and legs, and then she goes after legs for the finish, I think is something really, really good. I like it. I'm a big fan of submission wrestling. Um, and obviously for you, Rob, the fact that she has now this new submission, maybe she takes away one of her finishers, if you know what I mean. No, my little match, she'll take away the bloody vertical drop face buster and it'll end up being the... Oh, no, I'm not getting into it. I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about it. Um, she's trying to be positive and cheer you up. Now, now, because I know you're a fan of Limerick, what if she does the elbow drop to the knee to set up the escargot? Will, that, will you be a little bit better with it? No, because, Matt, I cannot stress this enough. We still have the diving elbow drop. If she put... Honestly, and I mean this, if she performs that in Philadelphia, I will walk out. <laughs> I I will I will. You, you've flown all those miles to the first Stardom show in the states in <laughs> in five years. WrestleMania weekend, the first show we're going yep. to. More than likely, doing a live Stardom podcast afterwards because uh, you, the fans, demanded it. Which we're going to release the brand new Stardom cast beer. Yep. You get to meet my crazy fans over at Funk Brewing. Yep. And it's all going to be ruined for one move. Is that what, is this the precedence we're coming upon? Absolutely. Um, you know, and I will be yeah. very honest, Matt. If it happens, and she will be like in the first couple of matches as well, if she's uh, if she's going. So I want to make it perfectly clear that if that happens, I am more than happy to walk to the bar where we will be doing the Stardom Cast live and waiting for you there. <laughs> that is how much, how stubborn I will be about May Sakurai's diving elbow. You don't need it anymore. <laughs> You've got the escargot. It's so much better. Use that. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> you know what I'm really looking forward to now? When May Sakurai climbs the top rope, <laughs> and uh, and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to know who we are because of you know a lot of people <laughs> are so excited to uh, to meet, which is you know very humbling to meet us at the show. Is when she climbs that top rope and like 30 or 40 people turn their heads to find where you are, and they're not watching the match; they just want to watch your reaction. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait! It'll be when she goes up to the top rope meets me eyes like meets eyes across the <laughs> ring 
and performs it without looking at the opponent, <laughs> just staring me out. Um, in my head, of course, she'll go to the top rope, look like she's going to do it, and then fake me out into the guillotine leg drop, which would be so much better. She can do that. Why does she not use it? But anyway, anyway, we've talked more than enough about May Sakurai's damn elbow drop. Um, uh, in other news, um, those two tag team um, uh, matches at the top of the card, Matt. So we'll talk about Aphrodite versus Azumi and Maysera in a moment because that was a truly fantastic match, easily match of the card. And as you mentioned, a real early competitor for tag match of the year. What did you think of Divine Kingdom and Cosmic Angels? I quite now... Micah obviously has come out of 2023 new red belt champion and we talked a little bit about how she'd managed to garner this organic support um and that was when we were doing our preview to dream queen and that was my argument as to why i think she should win the belt um it wasn't because she was uh, you know being really highly pushed she managed to gain this following this nuclear following at Corican um on her own back and i think she deserved that and i think that's reflected in the fact that she won the award that was voted for by fans in the stardom awards and i think that more than anything shows the public's reaction to Micah. and i think it's it's completely deserved i voted for her for our for my um wrestler of the year because i thought she was absolutely tremendous and she won it obviously as well Oh, no, I didn't. I voted for Hazuki. Sorry, Mike was my number two. It's what I meant. Um, she won it, and rightly so, because she had a fantastic year. She grew, especially after Himika's retirement. So to see her here, and then obviously we saw the um, the return of Wakasukiyama later on, which we're going to be talking about, and the whole new faction, which we're going to be talking about. How are you feeling about Mike in general, and how do you feel about uh, this tag team match? I thought this tag match is great. I mentioned before on the show, despite all the injuries going on with Cosmic Angels, with Tam, how obviously she's coming back in two weeks. And uh, Natsupoi, we still don't have, pardon me, we don't have a, a timetable on Natsupoi's return. Serrano and Yuna Mizumori are basically the only two that are keeping Cosmic Angels, you know, the only two really active members. And I'm a huge fan of this team. It was almost like it was thrown together because you had Sayori Poi, they were the goddess champions. And Natsupoi goes down with the injury. Yuna just just kind of gets inserted in just because out of that's the only other person I go to. And Sayori and Yuna, they just have this instant chemistry. I think they're really, really good. Not a lot, not enough people that follow stardom. I don't think we're talking about how great these two are together as a team. By no means are they going out winning every match. You know, for the majority, I think they lose pretty much every match. And you knew when this graphic comes up, you know that it's going to be Mike or Megan Bain getting the fall over Yuna. But that didn't take away what was an awesome match. I had it at three and three-fourth stars. I absolutely loved it. I love the exchanges with Yuna and Micah. I love Yuna not backing down with Megan Bain, trying to throw those chops, trying to throw those lariats. And then Sayori and Micah, their exchanges, even though they were brief, they were really good. And obviously you have your red belt champion and your white belt champion. But there was one spot in this match where Micah tries to superplex Yuna off the rope and Sayori comes to Yuna's aid and is able to uh, kind of, you know, get Yuna off the top rope. And she turns Micah around, and then she hits the uh, fisherman suplexer, as I deem it, the perfect, perfect plex. She hits it with Micah uh, basically sitting on the top rope, and then she holds on, and then she hits another one in the middle of the ring. I thought that was a really cool spot. We've really never seen a Micah versus a Sayori Anu other than the five-star Grand Prix um, back a couple months ago but now these two are completely you know not completely different but now they're on a bigger pedestal you know one is the red belt champion and one is the white belt champion so you're kind of like looking at it going 
hmm, I wonder what a singles match somewhere down the line between them two would look like because their chemistry they've had in the ring here as opponents I thought were fantastic. Megan Bain's great. She was terrific here. Uh, her and Mike are terrific as a team. You know, really good, solid match between two really good, solid teams. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And then we get to our main event, which, of course, we all had expectations for Aphrodite and Crazy Star. We, you know, we were sort of bigging it up on this podcast about how it has the potential to be an early front runner for the tag match of the year. And obviously, everyone was sincerely disappointed when Suzu went down with COVID. However, this special tag match, Matt, blew all expectations I had out of the water. Now, when you've got four women of the talent that we had, of the caliber that we had in Utami, Saya, Azumi, and Meizeri, you knew the match was going to be good. However, this was brilliant. It's like Azumi and Meizeri had been teaming for months. They had this unwritten chemistry. And I think in Meizeri, we've actually got someone who might be quicker the Nazumi across the ground, which is quite a frightening thought when you consider how quick Azumi is. But we sort of had the match segmented into two singles matches, really. We had the exchanges between Meisera and Saya. Obviously, these two overlapped, but for me mainly, it was Meisera and Saya Kamatani, which was great. But the money was in Utami versus Azumi because there was moments where you could see Azumi get visibly frustrated and start to throw really quite heavy bombs at Utami at one point, really quite angrily discarding her arm guard and proper laying in to Utami. Now, obviously, you look at the two and you know that Utami holds a substantial power advantage over Azumi. But we saw last week that Azumi has no problem stepping up to people. She stepped up to Megan Bain last week, and that ended, well, very poorly. But this sort of more aggressive side of Azumi, I am a big, big fan of, Matt. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Yeah, I want to talk about Azumi here real quick before we um, talk about how great this match was. I think Azumi is the most special talent in all of wrestling. And what I mean by that is we know she's a great singles wrestler. She had a great run with the High Speed Championship that started in 2022. Her last uh, two or three five-star Grand Prix have been really good. Her teaming with Miyu Amasaki, we've talked about on the show a few times before, that Miyu Amasaki is somebody that's really improving, but she has better matches when she's in the ring with Azumi because Azumi knows where to put her offense. And then we've seen her tag from time to time with Saya Kamatani when Utami uh, went to America for an excursion. And then when Saya got injured, she teamed with Utami quite a bit. We've seen she's got great chemistry teaming with Lady C. And I absolutely love that spot they do where uh, Azumi gets on top of Lady C's shoulders and then the, then does the double stomp because the top rope's not high, not high enough for her. She's <laughs> got to come off Lady C's shoulders. And it's one thing when you have really good chemistry as a singles wrestler in a high-speed match, or now we're seeing this hard-hitting style that you talked to before. We saw with Julie, we're seeing that she's trying to chop down the tree that is Megan Bain. Um, you know, and so now she's 
basically becoming more aggressive. Again, great as a high-speed wrestler, great as a submission-style wrestler. Now we're seeing the striking really come together. We And again, as a tag team, she's great with all the members in her unit, right? All the members in her unit. And now she teams with May Sarah, who has the same pretty much um, – what's the word? I'm like, not skill level. Basically, the same, almost the same style as Izumi. And it's like, you knew this was going to be a good match. And again, this is when Aphrodite first won the, the tag championships. I'm looking at the potential of opponents because Sai was very adamant that they wanted to have a long run. We really don't see long runs. They're basically few and far between on the goddess of stardom uh, uh, as far as the tag titles go. Obviously, we see them with the red belt and the white belt. But the goddess of stardom, we don't really see long runs. Where Sai was saying, we're going to defeat Af- our Thunder Rock. Excuse me. Aphrodite is going to overtake Thunder Rock's record for most successful title defenses. And you're looking down the card of the stacked tag division was like, all right, FWC is a match I want to see. Probably the match I want to see the most is against Crazy Star. And we thought we were going to get it here. We find out the morning of Suzu's six. You can't compete. We get a Zumi. Great. We know it's going to be a good match because we've seen in previous five stars, Zumi and Utami absolutely tear it up. And I knew this was going to be a good match. Well, like three-fourths through this match, I'm thinking to myself, when we eventually get the Crazy Star versus Aphrodite match, how and how is it impossible? How po- how possible is it that it's just as good, if not better? Because this was again, I knew it was going to be good, but my mind was blown how great this match was. The timing was good. You had the different psychologies of you know the power wrestler in Utami and the more explosive wrestler in Sayakamatani versus the two high speed wrestlers. But yeah, you, you said it right, partner. That had a time where Azumi had to get down and dirty with some of the forearms and some of the kicks on Utami, not just her friend, but her uh, her Queen's Quest leader. And it was like, that doesn't matter. It goes out the window. I'm on the opposite side of this match. But Azumi and May, like you talked before, it's almost like they were teaming for the last four or five years. Mm. And this is their first match that they've had as a tag team together. And Aphrodite was great here as well. I mean, I've been watch- I've been a normal subscriber to Stardom World for the last three years as far as quote-unquote house shows go and not live shows like we've seen for the pay-per-views. This might be my favorite house show match I've ever seen Stardom have. I loved it that much. This was as close to five stars as you can get. I gave it, I'm going to tell you right now, partner, I gave it four and three fourth stars. This wow. was fantastic. I absolutely, I was blown away of how great this match was. The timing, the psychology, the building, the going back and forth, not knowing which way it was going to go. I thought maybe the, the time limit draw. I figured Aphrodite's not going to need to fall here. The, the tag champs, eventually we have to come back with Suzu and May, hopefully. I hope, obviously with all the factions, you know, mixing up and the new faction that we're going to talk about in a little bit, I hope they keep Suzu and May together because they're so good together and we get this tag title match somewhere down, somewhere down the line. But this was just incredible. This was just absolutely incredible. And again, May Sarah and uh, Sai Kamatani. Sai did a good job trying to keep. And Sai Kamatani is a very fast wrestler as well. She did a great job at almost keeping up with May. You know, you talked about May being just as fast, if not faster, than Azumi. I was like, you know, you might have a point there, my friend. You might have a point. But it wasn't like it was they did just a whole bunch of spots just for spots. The psychology was there as well, which is like one of the things that separates Aphrodite with pretty much every tag team and all of wrestling. It's like they have the cool spots and the cool things to do, and they're great at selling and great at firing up with their psychology and where they put stuff and where they build stuff is really second to none. Uh, again, I thought this match was absolutely great. Um, again, four and three-fourth stars. This is literally a tag match that I think everybody needs to go out of their way and see. Terrific. Absolutely terrific. I mean, you liked it a lot more than me. I I gave it four and a quarter. um, And, you know, everything you say rings true. It's a fantastic match between four excellent wrestlers. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see where it sits come the end of the year um, and to see if Stardom are able to top it. But in terms of house show matches, um, they certainly didn't disappoint on the special um, portion of the special tag match. I thought this was absolutely fantastic. And again, it's another sort of feather in Azumi's cap because she was plugged into this match on the day, or that was when the public found out that uh, Suzu was down with COVID. And she's able to put on this sort of match in a main event. You know, I do wonder how long we are going to wait now before we do sort of consider her consistently in that white belt range um, because I don't think it can be long. I'd be very surprised if we don't see an Azumi white belt match in the next six months. I'd be very surprised because there are a lot of people on the stardom roster now beginning to knock on the door of that white belt. We've already seen Starlight Kid. Starlight Kid is getting her opportunity in February. Maybe Azumi is the next challenger because I think she has proven that she's ready. And in this match especially, she proved that she's not simply going to be relying on her high-speed skill. Yes, it's going to be present when you're as good as she is. Why wouldn't it be? But it's not going to be her whole offense. And I think that's really important because she is proving that she's not scared. She's not going to back down. She is going to match people strike for strike, even if she's going to lose. That tenacity is going to stand her in really, really good stead, especially when she's looking for baby baby face sympathy when she's getting beaten down. I think it's going to be really, really good. And I do think that when we podcast in June, July, we will either be in the process of building towards or have seen an Azumi wire belt match. Um, and by the end of the year, I do believe she will have had one. Hannon will have had one. Obviously, Starlight Kid will have had one. Um, I think we are looking at Stardom really beginning to push through some interesting matchups, especially in that white belt region, which is very, very exciting. Let's talk then about the first night of the Stardom Award show, 20th of January 2024, in my favorite venue in the whole wide world, Bell Sal Takadano Baba in Tokyo. And I say it quickly just in case I mess it up and you can't tell. Um, this was in front of 369 people. The results are as follows. Three on one handicap match. Megan Bain defeated Saki Kashima, Lady C and Yuna Mizumori, pinning Saki Kashima after an F5 in four minutes and 29 seconds. That is a hilarious match. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, we then had a gauntlet tag team match with the Aphrodite team of Saya Kamatani and Utami Haishishta defeating the Stars team of Saya Ida and Yuzuki, the Uedatai team of Rina and Ruaka, the O2 line team of Azumi and Miyawamasaki and Rani Agami and Sayaka Karora, Sayaka Matani pinning Yuzuki last with the Senpo Yaku kick in 18 minutes and 27 seconds. Six woman tag followed. A Wedetai team of Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, and Natsukatora defeated the team of Julia, Suzu, Suzuki, and Mei Sakurai with Starlight Kid pinning Mei Sakurai with the Star Suplex holding 12 minutes and 17 seconds. In a tag team match that is probably going to be noted more for what happened afterwards than what actually happened in the match. We saw the return of Wakasukiyama. Micah and Hanako defeated the Club Venus team of Mina Shirakawa and Wakasukiyama. Micah pinning Waka in 10 minutes and 17 seconds. With our two title matches, the high-speed championship was 
on the line with May Sarah making her third successful title defense, pinning Fukik in death with an O'Connor roll reversal in four minutes and 54 seconds. And then in your main event, the artist of stardom championships, Abarembo Godzai, Suri Mirai and Amisori made their first successful title defense, defeating the stars team of Mai Wiwatani, Hazuki and Hanan. Mirai gained the pinfall over Hanan with the Lariat in 16 minutes and 50 seconds. Um, first things first, Matt, there was not a single person, and I mean this sincerely, there was not a single person in Bell Cell, Takadonababa, that was as over with the crowd as Fukikin Death. Oh, I kind of watched it with the sound down as uh, I was kind of in the middle of something else. I'm gonna have to go back and skim this now. Are you being serious? Or I know, I know that you like to do a little shtick when it comes to the clown. Are you being dead serious? <laughs> um, no. In in all seriousness, she was really, really over with the Tokyo crowd. Like all of her shtick was hitting. I mean, it helped that it was legitimately quite a fun match. We thought it would be fun and we thought it would be sub five minutes, but I thought because May Sayer is quite naturally funny as well, these two played off each other very well. There was referee shenanigans, but every time Vukin Death did something to the crowd, the crowd ate it up. And legitimately, Matt, I think she might have been the most over person on this entire roster for this show, which is quite, quite frankly, terrifying, um, but also quite fun. You know, nobody in their right mind thought Fukikin Death was going to be the one to dethrone Maysera. But to have this match, something completely different, something a little bit fun. We had referee spots where Maysera is accidentally attacking the referee, then using the referee to sort of jump into a drop kick on Fukikin Death. You've got Fukikin Death with the newspaper and the, the stuff where she's going death, death, Fukikin death. The crowd are loving it. It's genuinely, Matt, a really, really fun match. And I think I probably enjoyed it a little bit more than I should have done. All in all, though, really, really, really good fun, mate. Yeah, I may as well talk about the match, and then we'll kind of circle back to some of the earlier stuff. But, yeah, this was really good. And I mentioned last week with the uh, multi-person, six-person match that they had with the Wet of Tie versus, I forget who may Sarah team with, uh, and I apologize, but the finish of the match was Fuki and Death uh, reversing the uh, Rolling Star into a cradle for a three count. I figured that would play into a false finish that would happen in this match. And they did. They planted the seeds. And that's one thing Sardom does pretty much better than any wrestling company out there is they reward you for watching all of the shows. And it was a false finish that a lot of people in the crowd bid on. But the one thing I didn't know that I didn't think they were going to do, they went, they went one step further than my prediction. So not only did they do that spot that, you know, think that Fukin Death was going to win the match and win the high-speed championship, but the finish of the match was May Sarah countering Fukin Death's finish, the O'Connor roll. So it was like, ah, last week you countered my move. This week I'll counter, counter you, your move. And I thought that was really cool. I thought it kind of adds to the match. But, yeah, again, it was, you know, five minutes of really fun stuff. We knew it was going to be high speed. It was going to go fast. They got the referee involved, which is fine. Sometimes I don't like that comedy shtick, but that's Fukin Dutch shtick. I did like the uh, when she was on the apron. You think she's going to go for the old Randy Savage double sledge off the uh, apron onto Maysera, but she did it with the newspaper. I guess considering the fact that it happened outside, maybe that didn't warrant a disqualification. Uh, but um, 
I'm joking, of course. But yeah, it was kind of blink edge and you'll miss. And I think it was just a match, to, a fun match to have. I think May wanted to work with Fukin Death, who, you know, I'm Koryaniyama uh, is an absolute legend in professional wrestling. I don't think that she's somebody that gives, that really gets the credit that she deserves. And she does a great job pulling off this gimmick, you know, as all the different clown personas that she's had in stardom over the last handful of years. And uh, a really, really fun match. It pads uh, May Sarah's title run and uh, obviously leads into this uh, violent high-speed match we're getting in two weeks. But all in all, fun match. I actually had it three and a half stars. It was really good stuff. We knew we were going to get. We got it in spades. And great job to both ladies. Yep, exactly the same three and a half stars, my friend. Far, very, very enjoyable. And I think it helped as well that we uh, we got it without, you know, having a ridiculous amount of time spent on it. Um before we get into obviously the main event, perhaps the most the most talked about thing to come out of this is the fact that Club Venus has uh, dissolved. There is no more Club Venus after the tag match between Micah and Hanako and Mina Shirakawa and Wakasuki Yama, the four created what is in effect a supergroup. Um, they have created their own faction born from the desire of Micah and Mina to work together. They then bought out a returning Xena who we haven't seen since, what, last year? Early last year as well? Um, I think we haven't seen her since maybe May. Um, but she is apparently back. She is joining the group. Um, we don't have an official name for this group. It was supposed to be announced on the 21st, the day after this. But they then decided, or Mina decided, that she wanted to announce the um, the name when she teamed with Micah. And the next time that those two tag together will be the 27th of January in Sendai Pit. Um, so, obviously... We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But we appear to have created a group, Matt. What do you think about the dynamics of this group? And how do you think... Are you happy with how it's gone? I like this group. I think it's really done really well. We always make mention these groups, they always have like your two main eventers, right? Like you have stars, Mayu and Hazuki, you can buy them main eventing any pay-per-view. Queen's Quest, you have Azumi, Sai, and Utami. Uh, in Oedo Tai, you have Starlight Kid, Momo, and Tora. So it's nice that right out right out the gate in this one, you have your two main eventers in Micah and Mina. Maybe this, if they give Micah a, a longer run with the red belt, they can they can key Mina back up to go after the white belt, which again, we talk all the time on the show. It's really something that Mina has earned is that true proper run with the Wonder of Stardom Championship. And not only that, we'll see, because Waka did tell Hanako that she wants to go after the New Blood Tag Team titles. So it seems like as far as tag teams go, you're going to have Waka and Hanako as a team. Not sure where Zena's is going to fit in there. I think she'll when, when she has these teams with Mina that she has in the past, it'll be really good. And Micah as well. But if they put Micah and Mina together and you know get them hot, obviously, again, Micah is the World of Stardom champion. There's a possibility that Mina captures the white belt sometime this year. But you're looking into the fall of, uh, of later this year. A Mike and Mina team in the Goddess of Stardom Tag Tournament? Yes, please. I think that'd be great. I like this team. I like the fact that Xena's back. I like the fact that we have clear direction on where we're going. I like the fact that Hanako now has a faction. Obviously, we'll talk about who joins a certain faction at the end of the show. But if you're keeping score, folks, with all these rookies that have joined factions, I think I'm like 0 for 5. So you know what that's called? That's called consistency. But I really like the faction 
But Rob, can we just talk about the match just for one moment? Because there's a funny little tidbit I know that you're going to get a kick out of. Go for it. So Mina comes out and she does, she comes out to the Mina theme and she does their dance and does the whole thing, right? And, you know, getting the crowd going. And then Waka comes. And I figured even though it's Waka's return that they would come out to Mina's theme. No disrespect to Waka. She's great. We all love her. Mina's the big star. Not only this team, but just one of the biggest stars in the entire company. But then Waka comes out to her theme. And then Mina gives Waka the spotlight, which I thought was great. Again, there's another reason why Mina's just fantastic. She has no problem having somebody else shine over her, which which is so unselfish and just makes Mina just a better performer in my eyes. So I thought that was great. Okay, we got Waka coming back, and Mina's giving her the spotlight. She gets her an entrance with the theme, the whole nine. She makes sure she really emphasizes when she does the entrance that Waka's back. And then the bell rings, the match starts. And Hanako beats up Waka. And then Micah. And then Micah beats up Waka. And then Hanako beats up not Waka. And then Micah beats up Waka. And then they tag team come in and they beat up one. The first like five, six minutes of this match was just Waka getting the crap kicked out of her. And I'm like, wait a minute, we gave her the entrance over Mina's phenomenal entrance. She gets her theme. Mina does a phenomenal job introducing her. And then we're right back to where we were. All we were a poor Waka. She gets the tar kicked out of her. Uh, I just I was like, oh, poor Waka. And the match was good. It was enjoyable. I had it three and a half stars. Obviously, Micah gets the win with the uh, 360 Larry and the Anka Toshi combination on Waka. But I love it how they go to Hanako. And we're like, you want to join this faction? She can't stop crying. And Micah's like, stop crying, stop crying. And then Xena comes in and they're like, oh, by the way, Waka, what do you want to do? And then Mina's like, whatever you do, don't cry. I just thought that was great. <laughs> they, but I really, yeah, I really like this faction, buddy. How about you, partner? I've seen quite a lot on, on social media about how they've got nothing in common. And uh, I just want to point out something that friend of the show, Armani Shoe Exchange, said on Twitter. That was the whole premise of one of the most popular factions in stardom in Tokyo Cyber Squad. They literally had nothing in common. They were the outcasts. That was the whole point of that faction. And they are one of the, still are to this day, one of the most popular factions in stardom. And, you know, give this one time. You know, if you're not a fan of it instantly, give it time. See how it grows on you. See what they're like as a team. See how the dynamic grows. And to be perfectly honest, I think it's going to be great because there has been pre- previous between Micah and Mina Shirakawa, certainly. And it's it's a nicely balanced group as well. You've got your mid-carder in Xena. You've got your two main eventers in Micah and Mina. And you've got your lower card in Hanako and Wakasuki Armor. And it gives Hanako as well something or a direction or that feeling of want being wanted that i feel like she didn't feel like she'd gone because yuzuki was put into a faction before her all in all though i can't see a negative in this faction because since ddm split we've been wondering where the relevant parties there are going to go especially may sakurai and micah um and we sort of assumed that micah suzu and may Sarah would put would sort of eventually form a sort of group that hasn't materialized due to Suzu Suzuki and Micah hating each other. Um, But this, I think, works. I know that there is a little bit of a clash between Micah and Mina in terms of leadership of the faction. Um, So I am intrigued to know where that goes. You know, we've seen um, Red Belt champions that aren't the leader of the faction, uh, most notably Suri, who was um, Red Belt champion and Julia was the head of that faction. We've had Utami, who was Red Belt champion, whilst Momo was the leader of Queen's Quest. So it's not unheard of that the leader of the uh, 
the faction isn't necessarily the red belt champion. So it could be Mina. Um, it has happened before, but for me personally, you know, with the heat you've built behind Micah, with the crowd reaction to Micah as well, I feel like the leader has to be Micah. Yeah, but no slouch to having Mina there as well. And I kind of like how there is no leader. And I also like that the fact that only the leader can go after the red belt. You know, you mentioned Sherry, uh, you mentioned Utami, obviously both deserving and had both of their World of Stardom Championship runs were two of the best in the history of the company. So I like it. It's like, well, Utami's not the leader, so she can't go after the red belt, only Momo. You know, it, it, it doesn't handcuff anybody, you know? So it's just, it's a really cool faction. Again, the fact that you you two main eventers, you know, on the top and the fact that, uh, you know, with Mina and Micah. And again, the fact that we may see them team up. Again, these quote-unquote house shows have been really, really good since the beginning of the year. Give us a Mina and Micah versus Aphrodite match on a house show and let it go you know, the, the time limit drop, whether they do 20 or 30 minutes, you know, when Nasapoi comes back, Sayori and, and Sayori for, or Mina and Micah versus Yuna and uh, Sayoriano. That'll be a great match. There's a lot of things that you can do. And, and Waka did a great job on her promo, basically planting the seeds saying, hey, Hanako, I want a team with you to go after the new blood tag belts. That's not something they're just going to throw away with. I have a feeling that they're going to be teaming these these two up on some of these new blood shows and then eventually challenge Wing Gory. And think about that match. That match will be great. You know, again, poor Walker just gets the tar beat out of her. And you know that, you know that Saeed is going to be chopping poor Walker, but Walker is a great seller and she's a great sympathetic baby face. And you believe her comeback. Just think about how great that match is going to be. Wing Gory versus Hanako and Waka on a new blood show that more than likely will be free on YouTube. Absolutely. I'm all for it. And I'm super excited for Xena to come back. I was a big fan of her when she was part of Club Venus and part of Stardom of last year she had a really great underrated singles match with sherry on one of the pay-per-views i believe it was in late spring or early uh, early summer and uh, th- those two just uh but you know were exchanging forearms and chops and kicks and really show that xena can bring that next level of striking and violence and you're throwing her back into the mix as well uh i can only see this thing as a positive and i'm super excited to see where it goes i have a feeling robin i kind of want to throw this question at you you mentioned with Suzu and Maysera maybe joining Micah's faction. That's the way that they were going. I'm kind of glad that they still can. I'm kind of glad that they didn't because I want to see Suzu and Micah on opposite ends. But do you think this opens up the door for Suzu now to start her own faction with having May, uh, you know, basically coming in as her kind of co-captain? Um, does Suzu need a faction? I mean, I know that obviously, you know, you look at New Japan, you look at Stardom, they're very primarily faction-based, but look at Hiroshi Tanahashi, you know, the biggest star in Japanese wrestling of the last, what, 20 years? And he's never been in a faction. So uh, you don't necessarily need a faction. You can be your own thing. I personally think Suzu Suzuki suits being this sort of lone wolf character yes she's developed an incredible dynamic with may Sarah, and yes she can continue to team with may Sarah, but ultimately you look at the factions and i know that we've just said about you know fitting in and you know sort of misfits being thrown together but i don't think suzu suzuki fits in any faction and i don't think that's a bad thing i think she's her own individual person like i said there's no harm in that there's no harm in that at all because the focus is always on you that way that's that's my personal opinion um i don't know if it's one you share matt 
No, I see your point. That's why I just wasn't sure where you thought going with it. As long, again, in my opinion, as long as they don't break Suzu and uh, Maysair up, I'm good to go. If they're going to kind of both be like not in the faction, don't be not in a faction together because I just love that team of Crazy Star. And obviously, I don't see them doing anything with Suzu going after the red belt just yet. You know, she just lost that match about a month ago with Micah. If they want to heat her up and you know, put her again, put her in the mix with a wonder of starting championship. I'm fine with that as well, but I just want to see more crazy star matches as I think they're absolutely fantastic together. So, uh, yeah, good stuff partner. I know from us talking earlier today, I know you want to talk about this main event, but can I touch upon two things on the show before we do sir? Of course you can go for it. I just want to talk about the tag gauntlet match. Now, by no means was it you know, a must-see. I thought everybody worked hard. I thought there was some really good stuff, really good dynamics. But, pardon me, maybe it's because I'm just a huge fan of uh, Queen's Quest, especially Aphrodite, that I love how they're putting such an emphasis on the Tag Team Championships. You have this Tag Gauntlet match that they won. You have a week or two ago where they won that little mini tournament where it's like, and to me, it just goes to show that, like, okay, there's these tournaments where the belts or the gauntlets where the belts aren't on the line, but yet our champions are still winning, which basically goes to show they are the strongest in, you know, the tag division. So I thought that was really cool. It's really cool how they're really pushing Aphrodite here. Again, they're having great matches, whether it was, you know, against Momo and Rua are uh, not Ruaka Tora at the end of the year. Great match, which we just talked about with Azumi and May. And the fact that they you know, won the tag tournament a few weeks ago. And the fact they won this tag gauntlet, I think it's really, really cool that they're really all in on Aphrodite with those uh, Goddess of Stardom Tag Team Championships. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, it just it makes sense, you know, without thinking too much about booking and things like that. It makes sense that your champions are going to be strong. Your Aphrodite are the tag team champions because they are the strongest tag team. It makes perfect sense for them to win a one-day tournament or to win a gauntlet tag on the undercard. If they're in it, they should be winning it because they are the top tag team in the company. Now, also what that does is it makes, whenever they do lose to set up a tag title shot, it makes it more special and more important. Oh my God, Aphrodite lost. Like that doesn't happen every day and immediately you're drawn to it. It was the whole Julia formula that they had from two years ago where nobody pinned Julia. Like, Julia just did not eat pinfalls whenever Donna Del Mondo lost. She never was the one who ate the pin. So it meant that whenever she did eat a pin, you sat up and took notice. And that's the whole point. And I think the more you do that with the Artist of Stardom Championships, which we're going to talk about in a moment, which seem to be slowly but surely being uh, rehabbed to where they were a couple of years ago, the Goddess of Stardom Championships, the same. I think that's how they're booking Aphrodite, and I completely agree with the way that that is booked. Because the next team to pin Aphrodite, you're going to be like, "Oh my god, this is this is really quite impressive." Nobody pins these, um, so yeah, completely agree, Matt, and I completely love it. Um, in terms of the opener, the three-on-one handicap match, can we talk a little bit about the MVP of this match? This four-minute twenty-nine squash match. <laughs> First of all, kudos to you that you understand psychology and how to book tag team matches and tag team wrestling. That was brilliant and done by you. But speaking of brilliant, yes, let's go to this this, this handicapped tag match that went a little over four minutes. You know who we're going to be talking about. Saki Kashima is an absolute bloody treasure. Like, she just gets it. She really does. She is hilarious. 
And yes, she's been on an absolutely miserable run of just eating pinfuls. But the fact that she was trying to show that she was doing things when actually she was just cowering away from Megan made this match what was otherwise a throwaway match that clearly stung Carve Rat. Well, we haven't really got anything we can do with these four, so let's just put them in a goal and let, um, a handicap against Megan and make Megan look strong. That's basically what this match was. And <laughs> Saki used that and created another very entertaining moment, Matt. I liked how when they were in the ring, Yuna, Lady C, and Saki Cash, when Megan Bain's music plays, and really, I never really noticed this very ominous music that really goes perfect with her character. So whoever chose that music, you know, good on them. But, like, you can see Saki Cashman is so afraid, and Lady C goes over to her, and she's literally putting up three fingers and then one. It's basically like, hey, I get it. She's big, she's strong, she's tough. But there's three of us and, and only one of her. So I liked how Lady C had to play, like, the mother of the thing, and it didn't, it didn't do any good. Like, there's that spot where they're, where you and Lady C are chopping Megan Bain to the corner, and they get Saki Cash when they try to whip her into the buckle, and she stops like midway through and just powders herself out. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> and then, of course, the end is just Megan Bain just decimating all three members of this team, hitting F5s onto all three of them back to back to back, and then pinning all three of them afterwards, and then basically wiping the dust off her shoes. Like, this was nothing. I'm like, how fast was this match? Because for a handicap match, this was almost like a squash, and the graphic comes up four minutes, 29 seconds. I was like, this is brilliant. <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It was it was short, it was fun, and like I say, Saki Kashim is on such a great run. Without having blow-away matches, you know, we talk about how Maysayer is one of the most entertaining things on the undercard. We talk about May Sakurai being one of the most entertaining things on the undercard. Saki Kashima, whatever match she's in, she somehow manages to steal the limelight without being, you know, an absolute ring general. And I think that speaks volumes of her character. And the fact that she's part of God's Eye, who are these, you know, fighters, they enjoy fighting, they enjoy pushing themselves. And Saki Kashima just is not like that. The dynamic in that team now is brilliant. It works so well. So props to uh, to props to Saki for that. Um, uh, yeah, this main event, man, the artist of stardom champions. You have a match here. That can take... I have. I'm sorry, I'm sorry but I, I, I apologize. I don't like doing this. I just want to cut you off just two seconds. Um, my, I just want to say real quick, my second favorite match from this show. And if you have not seen this show, this match was really good. Julia, May Sakurai, Suzu Suzuki versus Tori, Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe. This was fantastic. And the fact that we may get a Tori, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe possibly challenge for the artist belts, which you're going to talk about. Uh, I think it's just, I think maybe that's the way we're going with it. If you only have time to see two matches on the show, the main event, which again, I apologize, partner. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just want to make mention how much I absolutely love the six person tag match. Again, Julia May Sakurai, Suzu Suzuki versus Oweto Tai of Tora, Starlight Kid, and Momo, Wanta, Momo Watanabe. Go and watch it. It was fantastic. You done? Uh, I'm good. Sorry. You happy with yourself? I'm always happy with myself. I'm a happy go lucky person. Cannot believe you just interrupted, ladies and gentlemen. You have just heard the end of the podcast live <laughs> on air. Um, uh, I, I can't believe I've been so rude. No, genuinely, that it is a great match, and there's also a really funny moment because obviously May Sakurai is the one that's pinned, and all of a weather tie do the May Sakurai pose at the end, and Starlight Kid is taking it very, very seriously in the middle of the ring. Momo Watanabe is not taking it seriously. 
in the slightest. If you can find the picture of them posing post-match, it is hilarious. Momo Watanabe looks like she's never done anything like this before in her entire life. Even Tora has a better grasp of this pose than Momo Watanabe. I know Momo's taking the mick, but even so, looks hilarious. Go and check it out. Right, now, Matt, am I allowed to talk about this main event, or are you going to interrupt me again? <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm only joking, partner. No, this is the start of the championship match. This is a match that contains Shuri, Mirai, Mayu Iwatani, and Hazuki. And yet, the person that we're going to be talking most about is Hanan. Because talk about star-making performances. Hannon was absolutely phenomenal in this match. Like, at no point did it feel like she was the quote-unquote youngster of this team. She was brilliant. She took an absolute pasting at the hands of Mirai, at the hands of Sturry, but through some fantastic offense as well, especially onto Amisori. They seem to be building something between Amisori and Hannon. Obviously, Amisori is the one who um, defeated Hannon for the Future of Stardom Championship. So, there is a little bit of build there, but overall, Matt, honestly, I thought that Hannon gave the performance of her life here in the main event in a very, very loud Takadano Baba arena. I thought Hannon was tremendous because if you actually look at the amount of time spent in the ring from Hazuki and from Mayu, it is, I'd argue, 75% Hannon. And you can argue that God's Eye did a tremendous job in isolating Hannon away from the more experienced Mayu and Hazuki. But the babyface performance given by Hannon and the way she was able to get the crowd on side is just one of the reasons that I repeatedly, every single podcast, talk about how she is going to be a future star. She is so exciting to watch, and every time she's in ring, she just seems to get better and better and better. Yes, I completely understand that that is how reps work, but even so, she just seems to be making such amazing progress that, honestly, I cannot not see her in the white belt picture at the end of the year. She is incredibly talented to the point where this is a four and a four and a quarter, four and a half star match. And genuinely, I'm not talking about Mayu, who's my favorite wrestler, Hazuki, who's my second favorite, and Siori and Mirai, who are fantastic. Hanan was the main focus of this match. I love the fact they highlighted her, gave her a prominent role, and she didn't just knock it out of the par match, she knocked it out of the state. Thought she was tremendous. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more I can add. I mean, in this match, you have two former World of Stardom champions in Shuri and Mayu. You have Hazuki, who, if you haven't recognized, folks, we absolutely love on this show. You have Mirai, former uh, two-time winner of the Cinderella Tournament and former uh, Wonder of Stardom champion. Amisori, who's great, and Amisori, her and Mirai had a run with the Goddess of Stardom Tag Team Champions. But I believe uh, Rob is going to back me up on this statement when I say that Hanan was the clear MVP of this match. Was she not, sir? Oh, God, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, obviously, I feel really bad because I've mentioned Suri, Mirai, Mayu, and Hazuki. I haven't mentioned Amisori at all, but genuinely, everyone in this match played their part. This is a fantastic 
artist of stardom match and for me is a signal of intent that they are trying to rehab the artist of stardom belts they were stagnant for so long last year and they lost so much of that sort of luster that they had when they were held by cosmic angels when they were held by my himi poi when they were held by the oedetai team of starlight kid momo watanabe and saki kashima where every match was a banger they were being um defended regularly and i feel like they sort of when prominence held them, the progress of the titles sort of stagnated a little bit. And I feel like with what was, in my opinion, a very successful triangle derby tournament and a very successful first defense for Aberembo God's Eye, I would say that Stardom are looking to rectify that mistake. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the fact that we had, as I had to interrupt Rob, that uh, Momo, Tor, and Starlight Kid got a you know a pretty big win over you know the team of Julia Suzu and uh, May Sakurai. Maybe that's your next challenger, which I would absolutely love. Momo, Starlight Kid, and Tora versus this this you know the eighth squad of God's Eye: Shuri, Amisori, Mirai. I mean, I mean, there's so many dream matches matchups that a lot of these wrestlers have really great chemistry together. Again, we talked about Han a lot in this match. I know she took the fall, but it literally took Sherry with like a buzzsaw kick and running knee. It took uh, New Era's tag work. It took Amisori really chopping down Han. And, and then, uh, then it took a Miramari shock and a brutal Lariat from Mirai all to put Hanan down. So even though Hanan took the pinfall, like we always say on the show, it's not who goes over, it's who gets over. Even though Hanan is the one that ate the three count, she was the MVP of this match. They made sure when this match was getting put together. I'm assuming everybody probably had a hand in putting it together, but it was probably Mayu and Sherry that was really kind of doing the heavy lifting or the, uh, the, the main crux of the psychology of where they wanted this match to go and where it's going to go in the future. And then to shine Hanan up, they shined her up great in this match. Again, it took the three of them to really put Hanan down, which really just goes to show that they definitely do have some future plans for the former future of stardom champion. So I did that partner uh, in Hanan. Uh, really good stuff here. But um, I do have to make mention that uh, we've noticed the last few shows that it's Suzuki that's doing the freedom rocket launcher anymore instead of Mayu. And Hazuki whiffs on this one, and the bump she took it's on this. It's grotesque. <laughs> it's horrible. She was, better off, she was better off taking a German suplex off the top rope from, like, Kenta Kavachi. Like, I was like, holy jeez. Like, I saw the gif on Twitter as soon as this uh, card got released over on Stardom World. And, and I think the caption that somebody tagged me in was, maybe Hazuki should stop doing this. And I was like... Oh, did she like mess it up or did she like really come at somebody hard? No, what ha- you know, I thought maybe like Hazuki being Hazuki, maybe she really Chelsea Green booted somebody in the face on this one. <laughs> but no, it was just Hazuki the way that her upper, her lower neck and the top of her head smacked the mat. I was like, oh boy, we're going to have to keep an eye out if she's going to do this. Or I, I don't remember Freedom or even when Mayu would do it over the past few years with, uh, with the members of Stars. I don't remember them ever missing on. I think they hit every one. And this is one where they miss, where it's a completely different bump because instead of you hitting an opponent and then you can kind of turn your body to the opposite way to kind of protect yourself on the bump, you're missing. So you're hitting cable, you're hitting the turnbuckle, you're hitting the rope, and you really have no way of protecting yourself on the way down. So point I'm trying to make for the safety of any wrestler, especially Hazuki, who we absolutely love, if they're going to continue to do this, maybe they actually hit the move. So this way they can protect themselves on the bump because, again, partner, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember Mayu missing this at all, either when she was with Stars 
or when she was with freedom. I think it hit a hundred percent of the time. I think that's probably because my my you came out like a bloody cannonball. I don't think people could avoid that if they tried the pace that Mayu and Mayu gets on it. It's unreal. Um, however, I'm not one for conspiracy theories, Matt. Um, oh, I quite like to think that I'm a cynical person. I'm a logical person. However, the more I've thought about it, the more, the more I can't, I can't look past this connection and. Uh, Obviously, that connection is that Hannon seems to be losing matches when she's not coming out to the old Hannon theme. Now, what I'm going to ask you, Matt, is, is that the reason she lost this match right now? Because she didn't come out to H-A-N-A-N, Hannon. It could be, or it could be a combination of Shuri, who's a brutal striker, Ami Sori, who's a brutal striker, or Mirai, who's a brutal striker, just bludgeoning her at the end. 50-50, folks, you let us know. Let us know in the comment section or send us a message. Did Hanan lose this match because she got destroyed by three great strikers or she didn't come out to the Hanan theme? But to be fair, Rob, would she even come out to the Hanan theme when she when Mayu's on that, on that side? I'm just saying, Matt. <laughs> I'm just saying that stars are without artist of stardom championships, and who knows, had they come out to the correct theme, then maybe we will be having a different conversation. But there we are. Um, no, this what, is. What, what, what was your uh, rating for this match? I right gave now? it four and a quarter. I thought it was absolutely tremendous. I liked it a little bit more than you. I had it four and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was great. I, I And I noticed this. I wrapped up, again, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I wrapped up the uh, FWC tag title run, and they have two matches with Mariah and Ami. Sorry. One that goes through a 30-minute time limit draw. That's really underrated. But I like how Ami and Hazuki, they have really good chemistry together. And they did the spot in this match that they did in their tag title matches where Hazuki comes in, she's being all Hazuki, you know, bumping everybody, bump, bump and feed, bump and feed, bump and feed. And then she goes for the running code breaker on Ami. And looks like she's going to hit it, but as she gets down, Ami almost like stops her and deadlifts her almost into like a bear hug and does like an overhead belly-to-belly throw. I think that's just like a really cool spot. And it's really cool that uh, just to see the chemistry that Ami and Hazuki have together. Because again, it was just fresh in my mind from watching the tag matches and then watching this ma- uh, the, uh, these matches. Um, or excuse me, this match. Then of course, Hazuki and Ami just bludgeoning each other with chops and forearms is you know never not going to be entertaining for me. But yeah, really good stuff. On two really good cards. Yeah, it's definitely worth just highlighting again the bumps that uh, Hannon takes during this. That triple power bomb that they hit her with was fairly brutal. And then the lariat, Mirai holds nothing back on that lariat. Proper flattens Hannon. Um, but yeah, a really, really good match. For me, the match you need to check out of these two shows followed very closely by uh, the Aphrodite versus Azumi and Maysera match. If you are a person who is strapped for time, and I completely understand, it is those two matches you need to go and check out. Um, now, Matt Turner, we had yes, even more faction movement after this, didn't we? We sure did, sir. We sure did. As you predicted, sir, Rana Yugami comes out and asks to join God's Eye. So, again, the fact that I had Rana going to a wedo tie, Hanako <laughs> going to a wedo tie, and Saka Karora going to Club Venus, not only an at, Club Venus isn't a faction anymore, <laughs> Yuzuki going to uh, Queen's Quest, and 
Uh, I really have to mow over where Aya Sakura when she comes back from injury and she's, even though she only had a handful of matches because she's only there a few months, I absolutely loved her work. I really have to, tr- maybe I can get one right, you know, like I, like I, and I say a lot of things, Robin, one of the things I say, even a broken clock is right twice a day. I gotta be able to get this one right, <laughs> hopefully, possibly, but uh yeah, again, uh, I thought maybe because it was so on the nose she was going to go to God's eye. I was like, she's not going to go. Well, guess what happens, Rob? <laughs> you can't outthink yourself. As soon as you get in your own head, that's why you go just on instinct. She looks like God's eye. She wrestles like God's eye. She must be going to God's eye. That's what you've got to go with. That's what that's the mistake I made with Yuzuki and Queen's Quest. Um, but yeah, it's the perfect fit. I mean, from the moment she debuted at New Blood and said that Suri was a huge inspiration on her, it, it made make perfect sense to put her in god's eye it gives god's eye another body um because obviously i know that they've got satellite members in konami and tomoka inaba and nanami but you know when was the last time we saw those on a show you know they're not full-time members of the stardom roster they're not going to be full-time members of the stardom roster so god's eye having another body helps to protect Saki Kashima, who at the moment is the pinfall leader for God's Eye. It protects her. It also, as I said with Yuzuki, properly helps Rani Yagami um, going forward and in her development to be training with God's Eye and especially under the learning tree of Suri. Um Before we talk about the next two cards that are coming up um, in Sendai Pit, and I think it's Tokazawa, but I could be wrong. Um, Yeah, Tokoro Zawa. I think I'm saying that right. I hope I'm saying that right. But we've got two cards announced for this weekend, the 27th and the 28th. We will go through those in a moment. But before we do that, Mr. Turner, it's time for EO and Kyrie Watch. Eero and Kyrie watch. Once again, this was a little bit of a short, uh, short Eero, Eero and Kyrie watch this week. And thanks to, uh, again, we mentioned him earlier in the show, Darren Chatton, who made mention to me literally yesterday saying, hey, you need to watch Monday Night Raw because there's a little bit of Kyrie and Asuka on the show. So thanks for that, Darren. Greatly appreciated. And, uh, you know, because I, I want to be thorough in my reviews of one Eero and Kyrie. So we go to SmackDown this past Friday as we have a women's championship tag team match as the champions of Carter and Chance, who I'm a huge fan of these two. I thought they were great in NXT. Uh, They're great as the tag champs. Now, they defended against the Unholy Alliance of Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. Really good match, really good stuff with the champs retaining. We have all of damage control on the outside with Bailey on commentary. They do a great job kind of planting the seeds, asking Bailey on commentary if there's any issues in damage control. Of course, Bailey being the heel that she is, saying, no, there's no issues whatsoever, which we'll go into, you know, before we go off the air. I do want to get your predictions for the Royal Rumble. Um, but I think that's going to play into it. So eventually, after the match is over, there's a little bit of a our, um, Kyrie and Asuka steal the championship belts. She eventually gives them back to the, or they eventually give them back to the champion, the champions. And then we find out later on in the show that next week, meaning this Friday, there will be a women's tag team championship match with Carter and Chance defending against EO and, uh, excuse me, not EO, Asuka and Kyrie, which should be really, really good. Now, we go to this past Monday, Monday Night Raw. The team of Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark, who I thought were really, really good together. They pick up a win on this show. After the show, Carter and Chance come in and basically flash their hardware. They show that, hey, we have the champion. We're the champions. If you two want a shot, step up. We see Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark. They get out of the ring. And the reason why they get out of the ring, because coming from the crowd behind them 
is Kyrie and Oscar. They jump the champions, beat them down a little bit. Again, kind of selling the fact that on this Friday that the two members of Damage Damage Control of Oscar and Kyrie will be getting a championship uh, title opportunity the day before the Royal Rumble. So again, the second week in a row that our beloved EO has next to nothing to do. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob. The Royal Rumble. One of the biggest pay-per-views of the year, the women's champion, EO, not on the card. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, uh, Am I right in thinking that there are only four matches announced for the Rumble? There's the women's Rumble, there's the men's Rumble, then uh, I think it's Kevin Owens and Logan Paul and that four-way for Roman's title. I think that's it. Wow. I mean, I know that they have got to fill. I believe there's the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view in Australia, isn't there? And then I think, so I imagine they will probably load that with the women's titles. As long as we get an EO title defense at WrestleMania, I am more than happy, Matt. I'm more than happy. Um, If I can see Kyrie, if I can see EO, and then I can see Mayu in stardom, if I can see Freedom over that weekend, I can retire a happy man. Rob, what are you going to do? Okay, I'm going to put this on that scenario. Now, you mentioned that if we see the May Sakurai, I'm going to I'm turn this into a positive before you you really fire me from the show. I'm going to turn this into a positive. <laughs> you may mention if you see the May Sakurai elbow drop that you're going to go to the bar where we're doing the podcast. I do want to make mention in the next room over, there is a full bar. So you don't have to go that far if you need a drink. I'm assuming that EO and Kyrie are going to be on WrestleMania. There's probably a very good chance that EO and Kyrie show up at the ECW arena so they can see their friend Mayu. What, what, how quick would your mood turn if May Sakurai does that elbow drop and she blows you a kiss beforehand and you're just like, that's it, I'm leaving. And then you go to the bar that's right over there. And as you go to the bar, because I believe that bar leads to like one of the locker room areas, if you go kind of behind it. And then all of a sudden, as you go to the bar to get a drink, you see Mayu, Kyrie, and EO all standing there. And then you get a selfie with them. Would that turn your mood? Or is the May Sakurai elbow drop just too much for you? How bad is the elbow drop? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, let's move on to the next thing. Because this might be the end of the show. The I... fact that you paused, the psychology <laughs> in your answer was genius. The fact that you paused, literally I was a half a second away thought we lost speed. And the fact that you did, you couldn't even put over that you were literally meeting three of the most iconic women's wrestlers of this generation and one of the most iconic wrestling buildings ever, that you immediately went referred back to how bad Nate Sakurai's elbow drop would be. Oh, gee, we're going to have another segment on this show, folks, called Rob versus the elbow drop. <laughs> Ironically, quite like May Sakurai now, but yeah, the elbow drop is, uh, <laughs> it is the pits. Um, uh, let's talk about these two cards then. So uh, obviously we talked about how the name of this brand new faction that is starting between the former members of Club Venus, Micah, Hanako, and Xena, Hopefully, that means that um, with Mina and Mike teaming in Sendai, hopefully we should have a name and things are a bit will be a bit more official um, as of the 27th. But that card from Sendai Pit um, is as follows. We've got singles match, Mei Seira versus uh, Miyu Amasaki. Singles match, uh, Mei Sakurai and that phenomenal hat taking on Sayaka Karora. Now the only rookie without 
a faction that is active at the moment. I know Aya Sakura is, uh, is still out injured. Tag match with Julia and Suzu Suzuki taking on BMI 2000, Natsukatora and Ruaka. Uh, another tag match, we have got Starlight Kid and Momo Watanabe Black Desire taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Sayori Anu and Yuna Mizumori. We've then got an eight-woman tag, Queen's Quest, Utami, Sayakamatani, Azumi, and Lady C, taking on the as-of-yet undecided team of Mika, Mina Shirakawa, Wakasukiyama, and Hanako. And then in your main event, we have got a ten-woman tag match, Stars versus God's Eye, um, with Rani Agami in her first match alongside her God's Eye teammates. Um, Matt, what are you thinking about that card? What jumps out at you? Apart from, obviously, May Sakurai's hat. <laughs> uh, the tag match uh, between Yuna and um, uh, Yuna and Soriano. Uh, they're teaming up against... Uh, wait, wait, who are they teaming up against? Oh. Uh, uh, Black Desire, that's Black right. Black Desire. That's right, yeah. yeah. I saw that graphic earlier today, and I, I shared it quickly because I'm like, that's going to be a great match. Again, it's probably going to be Starlight Kid getting the win over Yuna to heat her up towards uh, Soriano, but obviously we're going to see another little bit of a preview of Sayori and um, Starlight Kid in the ring. And again, I mentioned before how much I really like the pairing of Soriano and Yuna Mizumori. And obviously, Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid, they're a phenomenal team together. So I'm really looking forward to that one. And uh, I'm looking forward to the eight-person tag with Queen's Quest versus the uh, unnamed faction. Interesting to see how that's going to go. I just don't see their, the, that faction having their first big tag match and eating an L. I'm assuming Lady C is going to be there to more than just eat the pin. Lady C is very, very good and very capable, but uh, I'm assuming that's going to be either Mina or Micah getting the fall over Lady C. But it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them to have Waka or Hanako get the first pinfall of this faction, you know, to kind of really start it off that way, um, you know, kind of put them in a, in a, a nice shiner light. All in all, solid card, but those two matches are the two ones that I'm looking forward to the most. We then move on to Sunday the 28th with Stardom in Takorozawa uh, in Saitama. That's going to be in the uh, Sakura Town Japan Pavilion Hall. Um, and the card for that has also been announced. That is as follows. Uh, singles match, Saki Kashima versus Waka Tsukiyama. Three-way match, Amisori, um, Sayaka Karura, and Mei Sakurai without the hat, Matt, because apparently the hat was so big that you can't have it in a graphic of more than two people. Um, <laughs> tag match, Sayori Anu and Yuna Mizumori versus Starlight Kid and Ruaka. Six-woman tag, Julia, Suzu Suzuki, and Mei Sera taking on the God's Eye team of Suzu, of Suzu Suzuki, of Suri, Rani Yagami, and Mirai. Tag match, Utami Hayashista and Lady C taking on the stars team of Hazuki and Yuzuki. Um, Six-woman tag, Mayu Iwatani, Hanan and Sayaida taking on Natsukatora, Momo Watanabe and Rina. And then in your main event, we have got the Queen's Quest team of Sayaka Mitani, Azumi and Miyu Amasaki taking on the team of Mika, Mina Shirakawa and Hanako. Um, perhaps not quite as strong a card as the Sendai Pit one, Matt, but is there anything that tickles your fancy? No, again, another solid card, but it seems like the Sendai Pit one is a little bit more strong. But those last two matches uh, with Queen's Quest versus the unnamed faction, and then it's always nice to see stars in a wet tie. 
uh, tear it up. Especially we don't get to see Rena uh, that much uh, just because of school again, whatever. Um, but uh, you know, always nice to see Rena, especially kind of teeing her up a little bit and getting her into the uh, more public eye, the public eye a little bit more as she has that big pay-per-view title defense against Yuzuki. So all in all, two solid shows, two solid cards. But as far as the Sunday show, uh, the last two matches you mentioned, those would be the ones I'm looking forward to the most. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Love it. Final question. If you were the person in charge, if you were Mr. Rossi Vice, what would you be calling this brand new faction of Micah, Mina Shirakawa, Hanako Zina, and Waka Tsukiyama? It is worth noting as well that Zina is on none of these cards. Empress Venus. Empress Venus. Ooh. Oh, that and you've just come up with that off the top of your head. No, when I saw the faction came out, I was <laughs> I, I saw it in the morning. I think it was Saturday, and I was driving to the gym, and I was I was kind of thinking what would. So it took about four or five minutes once I got there, and then once you asked me what it was, and I was like, I've had this for two days, I just forgot it. No, now I got it. So yeah, I didn't come off at the top of my head, Rob. I got to be honest with you, but Empress Venus is what I would call it. That's nice. a lot of cool shirts. Yeah, EV. absolutely, absolutely. Now I. <laughs> Obviously, I know that Micah did go through a phase of being obsessed with uh, Mina Shirakawa's chest. Fingers crossed that they don't call it something stupid like boobs and belts or something ridiculous oh, like that. Uh, <laughs> what if I did boobs and beard? What about boobs and beards? Boobs and beards is a great <laughs> Oh, Jeepers, Creepers. Oh, my God. Oh, we're going to turn off the air. <laughs> that is literally our next beer name. <laughs> that the stardom cast presents boobs and beers. <laughs> I love uh, it. I gotta call. I gotta call Norm. I gotta make sure we're not gonna get sued. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that does bring us <laughs> to the end of this podcast episode. Because how do you follow boobs and beer? Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Can't thank you enough for all of your support um, and everything that is going on. Thank you to everyone that is a subscriber to our Patreon as well. www.patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast. If you haven't already, it would be extremely helpful if you can leave a five star review and a comment on the podcast platform of your choice don't forget to check out the website www.thestardomcast.com no dot weebly anymore just dot com um and you can check out all of our archive which is slowly being uploaded um and you can check out a load of stats as well as they continue to be updated and um, you can find us on all sorts of social media at the stardomcast you can talk to me at at real rob goodwin matt turner where can they find you and then sign us off good sir Rob, real quick, my man, give me a quick pick. The Royal Rumble this weekend. Who's winning the men's and who's winning the ladies? Um, okay, so the men's is possibly the most interesting it's been in years um, in terms of who could win it. Um, uh, I could be basic and say CM Punk, but I'm not going to. Um, after his promo on Raw this week, I am going to go Gunter. That's the rumored pick, my man. I just saw that Sports Illustrated said that that's where they're going with. It really seems like this WrestleMania card is shaking up, but um, I can see that. 
I think that Cody, they need to heat Cody back up. He needs to finish the story. They did make mention, Michael Cole made mention on Raw that if Cody wants to finish the story, he needs to be only the second wrestler in history to win back-to-back Royal Rumbles. And he said Stone Cold did it in 97 and 98. I immediately said no. Hogan did it in 90, 91. And then Shawn Michaels did it in 95 and 96. And I threw a little bit of a hissy fit because Michael Cole does not, <laughs> his know, does not know his Royal Rumble history like your friend over here at the Stardom Cast does. But my pick is Cody Rhodes. Okay. And for the Women's Rumble, I can see the story being Bailey and Neo going into WrestleMania. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm going to go Bailey. Yeah, I'm with you. Bailey as well. And I think she basically wins on proxy because she's hanging out with EO and Kyrie, you know, and you're just a the winner then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's where we all want to be. Um, but yes, Matt Turner, sign us off. Absolutely, folks. Want to get a hold of me? Questions, comments? You want to talk about the Royal Rumble or just anything in particular? Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. You want to shoot me an email? Perfectly fine as well. That's perfectly fine as well. The StardomCast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Once again, folks, or if you want to have us do an alternate commentary on any match that you want to see, send us a message. The top four get picked for the month of February. That's going to close us out for what I thought was another fantastic show. Greatly appreciate the support. Cannot do this show without you fantastic folks. Because like I always say, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast. Because when we're all together, everybody's different. Everybody's special. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.